Hello, I'm Arminas Yesikonis, uh, riding motocross for uh, Ice One Racing, and you're listening to uh, No Name RC Podcast. Nitro is the glory. Welcome to the No Name RC Podcast with your host tonight, Keenan White, aka Lefty the Great. And if you are unlucky, the Finnish village idiot, JQ. This is the RC Podcast with no name, but plenty of content. So sit back, relax and get ready for some serious bench racing. Yes, indeed, Nitro is the glory, but e-buggy pays the bills. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode number 88 of the No Name RC Podcast. I'm your host, Keenan White, a.k.a. Left of the Great. And joining me is uh, my, my sidekick, my pain in the ass, my forever thorn in my side, the person that has made my beard extra gray, Beaker Q, a.k.a. Joseph J. Quaygreen, otherwise known as JQ, otherwise known as Captain Aho, and many other various names that he is known by. What's up, Joseph? How are you? I'm fine. How about that? <laughs> All right. Um, you know what, Joseph? Before we get on, because you had a pretty exciting weekend and you're getting ready, ready to go race this weekend as well. I just want to shout out and say thank you to all of the No Name RC Squad, uh, No Name RC podcast listeners, or the hashtag NNRC Squad around the world. Thank you to everybody that tuned into the call-ins last uh, uh, this week uh, with uh, Nick and myself. And you know what? Actually, thank you to just uh, Jared Tebow. He surprisingly called in and talked with us for thirty minutes. So thank you to everybody that participated in that and called in. And we want to get that going. We're coming back next week. Next week is going to be all about no prep RC drag racing. Uh, shout out to, yeah, just shout out to the NNRC squad around the world. Without you guys, none of this is possible. Shout out to our patrons on Patreon. You guys got early release of this week's podcast. I still kind of on the fence who I'm going to, I'm going to, it's going to be about, but I think I know who it's going to be about and I'll talk about that in a minute. But thank you to you guys. You guys help keep these bills paid. And shout out to the awesome companies that sponsor and advertise with us. They are RCMX Online, JQ Racing, Techno RC, Beach RC, Papa Willie's Traction Tonic, Rob's Oil for all your Amsoil products, JQ Threads, www.manscape.com. Cut through the jungle and find your manhood. Um, and Wally Builds. So thank you to all these companies that support us. Thank you for Wally who puts his time in and co-hosting me, co-hosting the call-ins with me. And I guess I will say thank you to, uh, no, I won't. Uh, I was going to say thank you to Joseph, but I won't do that. So shout out to all the JQ guys this week where you're racing. I know there's a lot of racing going on this week, uh, period. So wherever you're racing this week, have fun. We do have, I think the biggest race is Wicked Weekend. But unfortunately, uh, it looks like it will be have rain, but. They should get it all done. So, Joseph, what's going on? You're fresh from Latvia. That's right. I just arrived yesterday. Yeah, so you uh, went up to Latvia to watch MXGP. When did you head out and, and, and drive up? Well, technically down. Down, south. okay. Uh, I left Monday. I came back Wednesday. 
So yeah. How was it? It was awesome. Motocross is always good. Yeah. And, how was uh, the? How was it like COVID style? Was people, you know, you couldn't do your pit walks and. Um, Unfortunately, yeah, but did just, you get to go see your your rider or anything like that? No, we couldn't go in the pits at all, and so that all the staff were separated from the audience. Let's put it that way. Wow, was how was so the yeah, turnout? You could just watch the races. How was the turnout for audience wise spectators? Uh, really low. I don't know if there was a limit or what. I think it was a thousand limited to a thousand people. Mm. Who won? Because there's two races, right? Yeah, so they run the like support classes, European series on the first day and the second day is the MXGP and MX2. So actually, that, that guy who promoted JQ Threads also mm-hmm. in the past, uh, Lithuanian rider, he won one of the motos, Arminas Yasikornis. He won the second moto in MXGP, so he beat Cairoli and Hurlings and all, all the best riders. Wow, so that's that was, impressive. Yeah, that's that super was impressive. pretty crazy. His first first win Wow. in MXGP. It's a... Uh... So, but they raced twice. So in the first race, he fell in the first corner and was dead last and still rode up to eighth, which was really good. And then second race, he got a... Decent start was like fourth or fifth, and then ended up winning. So yeah, it was really good to be be there to watch live. Yeah, he must have been stoked. You must have been pumped. JQ Threads won a, a moto. That's awesome. Yeah, it was really good. So I'm I'm pretty sure there'll be more where that came from. So is he is he just that good, or is he good enough, or is it just was he lucky, or what do you think? Uh, well, he's. He's had the lap time speed already for a few years, but he hasn't really had the technique or like endurance, stamina to do it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he just this year he seems to have been he seems to have taken a step forward this year. So he rode really hard the first the whole first race, and then the second race he also had to ride hard to the very end, and he was able to do it. So he didn't fade at any point. So. That's a good sign. Yeah, that's awesome, man. That's that's I know, um, and he's like he rides for Rockstar. Hus- what, who does he ride for exactly? Rockstar. Yeah, Rockstar Husqvarna. Yeah, so this isn't like team. Yeah, we ain't talking about some little like rinky dink type of team here. We're talking about a full fledged like MXGP race team sponsored by Rockstar, sponsored by you know run by well, obviously Kimi Raikkonen's involved. So yeah, man, congratulations. Maybe JQ Threads get some exposure. So yeah, remember JQ Threads, are you living your dream? Not just a clothing company, it provides opportunities. Sorry, I had to plug that. Um good stuff, man. Yeah, hey. They also qualified first. They in motocross they qualified by just one lap. Oh yes. So the best best lap time. So mm-hmm. he he got it like the session was over and he was on his last lap and then he got the fastest lap time. So he qualified first also. That's probably why he got the deal with Ice One because even the last few years he's been able to qualify really well. So they could see that the lap time is there. He just can't put it together in the race. So, yeah, when you have the speed, that's good. Well, thank you. You know what? And we actually have a voice note for him. So we'll play that here. I don't have it on my thing, but uh, on the 
on the pad. But yeah, I forget his. I didn't even know how to say his name again. What's his name again, Joseph? Yasekornis. Yasekornis. Yeah, I'm super stoked for you. And and you and you know, I know you is in your ultimate glory, motocross, drinking beer, all this type of stuff. So yeah, I'm glad. It's nice to get, to get out and do something different and have fun. And um, you know, I know that's one of your passions is motocross, so that's that's good. And you're getting all ready because you got a race this weekend at Vasa. It's like a nationals for you guys, right? Yeah, it's uh, we only have a one race national this year. So, yeah. Sweet. Are you ready? Are you excited? Are you nervous? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm not nervous. Not yet. Not till you get to the track and you, you your last your 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 racing routine you're never up there fully prepared you wait to the ultimate last minute to go to the driver's stand then you're tuning your card on or whatever then you're like always the last person up on the driver's stand is that your ritual okay i don't know yeah it's your ritual who's gonna pit for you who's coming to help you pit I don't know. Both the potential pit guys can't go. Oh, oh snap. Oh, no. Where we go. Step one in the wrong way. Step one in the wrong way. Yeah, um, nothing much, man. We did the live, sir. Actually, I have, I've interviewed two people, uh, Bill Hagen and Stephen Best. The, the, both were great. Um, so Bill set up talking with Stephen Best, but it was good to talk to Best, um, to get his view on RC, you know, as he was editors of uh, all three major magazines at the time. So we had a really great chat. And I think I'm going to post, I think that's the podcast this week. And we'll do Bill next week because Bess is a little bit longer and I actually have a two-part podcast next week. So, yeah, it was a great, interesting talk with him and get his perspective and some things I learned about him that I didn't even know. And it's 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 pretty weird because I used to read this guy's uh articles in the magazines where magazines were mag magazines and i always liked extreme rc and i liked rc cars because they were a little bit more geared to racing and at that time car action kind of went to the full bled full flooded we're just doing advertising type of things um not like it used to be so it was a good talk with him we share a lot of opinions on rc and what we would like to see and um yeah it was a great great conversation with him so good stuff and um we also have a product uh, spotlight, uh, young guy, young black man down in South Carolina, Zachary Thompson has been racing, races for Gama. He's created this degreaser called Clean Freak, and it's it's gaining some traction down there in the southeast and well, all over America. So I had him on to talk about you know how he got into RC and his product, and he donated some bottles to give away to our listeners. So listen to that, guys. That's gonna come up, so you can figure out how to. Uh, win you some bottles of clean freak and uh yeah go check out zach's ig and uh facebook and his and you know support we, the product spotlight is about uh shining a light on a small business in rc but his business can be more than rc because he can sell his degreaser to you know all types of stuff so that's uh that shows zach some some support and uh get some degreaser from him and uh yeah nothing much going on Otherwise than that, um, we have had some interesting news this week, but we're going to get into that here in a minute. Um, I did have a funny Dominican story. Well, I almost, I don't, I don't know if I want to sell it, but I might tell it. But I, I almost, you know what, man? I almost broke my toe this week at the beach. 
Um, so is that the story time segment? No, your story time segment is all about you this week again. Is it? Yes. Okay. It's all about the baby carrot. Oh yeah. Yeah, you wanna you wanted to forget about that? You, I didn't forget. I didn't forget. Um, but yeah, I was at the beach uh, Sunday. We went to the beach before a curfew. Whatever you're doing, your your beard is rubbing against the mic, Joseph. Stop it. Put your mic a little bit away. Uh, thank you. We we went to the beach. So my daughter, she loves the water. So I had out there just her and I. And she doesn't know how to swim, but she doesn't mind going underwater. She swallows water, everything. So I was throwing her up in the air and catching her and like letting her go in the water. So I, this time I just threw up a little bit too high and she went over me, right? So <laughs> and she went up high. I was like, I was like oh, oh, no. <laughs> and so then I pivoted like to go catch her. And then when I pivoted like my, my, on my left leg, my toe dug into the ground, into the sand. And it just went like right back like that. Dude, I didn't even, I couldn't even catch her. She went sploosh right underwater. Hey, like way under, like completely, fully, completely underwater. And I was like, oh, and I was in so much pain. I grabbed and pulled up and she came up. She's like eyes and everything. You know, she was a little bit shocked, but she didn't, you know, she didn't cry. And then I looked around first to make sure it was my wife and everybody was far away. So they didn't see it because they weren't in the water. Dude, I was in so much pain. I was like, man, I broke my toe. And um, lots of pain, lots of pain. And I got out and all my... My poor toe is all purple and probably gonna lose the lose the nail, but it's not not in a lot of pain. But man, it was two days there. I couldn't walk. Leave it to me. That's the second time I've broken some. I don't know if it's, it's not broken. I actually broke my ankle in at the beach too from a wave and all that stuff once. So same type of thing. Went to ride a wave, like you know, you ride waves into this into the shore, and then like it just flipped me over. It was a big bigger than what I thought. And then when I landed, my right foot. Landed flat, and my left foot, the toes dug in, and it went snap, and oh, that was painful too. But yeah, I don't know. I'm looking at my toe, and then I'm thinking of Greg, and when they used to call him, the you know, my toes all infected and all that type of stuff. But I've been taking some meds, and it's healing up. But enough about my toe. Oh, the other story is so my wife, she came up her yesterday because I, I I stayed up. I was getting ready for the um. For the lives, right, that we was doing. Because we're, we're recording this Thursday, so we did the lives last night. And she's been like, oh, you don't want me to come up there because I'm going to inspect everything, you know, you bought. Because, you know, now I have this little spot up here. I can sneak things in that I've, you know, little trinkets and my, my action toys that I'm buying on Amazon. I'm getting little deals on, you know. So I, I have, you know, I've solved my issue of, like, trying to sneak things in the house. I just get it sent her, and I just make sure I'm here. So she came up surprisingly and surprised me before the thing to bring me a shirt because I needed I wanted my beach RC shirt. And oh, I felt like honestly, like I was getting an IRS tax audit, or just seriously, like I remember when I was a prison officer, I, we had to do random cell checks every day. I I now know feel I now understand how those prisoners felt when I would have to go like check their cells because that's exactly how I felt. I felt violated, like audited she ran around taking video pictures oh this is new this is new this is new I'm like no it's not it's been here all this time you just i just didn't have him put it out no i have proof and oh it was so funny she's walking around she thought she was so smart all there was just well you know yeah a lot of that stuff was new though but um yeah man i know there's guys out there that have wives that go through this same issue so yeah let us know about that i got audited last night surprise inspection wow Thought I was safer in the office. 
gonna have to get some. I'm gonna have to get a camera out there and then just have it like set up so when she comes, I know, and then I could just lock the door and pretend I'm not her. I don't have this problem. Yeah, because you have nobody in your life. Whatever you're doing, stop it. It's making too much noise. Packing some stuff. I'll stop it and pay attention. We we, we got to do this properly. It's it's very irritating, more irritating than normal. It sounds like you're like eating something. No, I'm not. This is you know. Do people want to hear this shit? They don't want to hear you packing. That's for sure. Anyway, you know what, Joseph? Enough random talk, enough catching up. You know what time it is, Joseph? It is time for the Manscaped.com RC News segment. So, hey, fellas, you know this podcast is sponsored by Manscaped now. If you don't know what manscaping is, it's basically uh, grooming yourself. You know, we got to... Manscaped is a new thing. This is 2020, man. We can't be hairy. Even though I'm a, I'm a silverback gorilla, you know, I'm hairy all over the place. But I try to, you know, I, I get... I get I get trimmed once a month. In fact, it's time for my trimming now. So I'm about to use my lawnmower 3.0 very soon again. And guess what? I used it the first time. My wife trimmed my balls up for me because this is what it's meant for. It's meant for trimming that sensitive area of your body, which is your private part, which is that part where you don't want to get any type of cuts, any type of bruises, anything, because, you know, you got to use that stuff. And it's just uncomfortable and it gets all sweaty. But yeah, so she she's gonna shore me up her pretty pretty good. And I'm super confident using my lawnmower 3.0 because the last time I used it, I had absolutely no nicks whatsoever. I got the job done. Clean as a whistle, look making it look bigger, cutting through the jungle to find my manhood is exactly what happened. So Joseph, you haven't got your lawnmower 3.0 yet. It should be coming soon. And you can finally cut through the, jum- the jungle and find the baby carrot. Sounds good. So how does anybody that listened to this crazy ad read get a lawnmower 3.0? It's pretty simple. You go to www.manscape.com. They have a nice little... Uh, Beginner's kit. It comes with boxers, a shirt, ball de- deodorant, ball moisturizer, the lawnmower 3.0, charger stand, and it's a nice, cool little box. Actually, you need to get the box up there. And uh, place your order. You can use the promo code NO NAME in all caps to save 20% off your order, which is a good bit because you also get free shipping with this. And if you get a lawnmower 3.0, please, if you have the balls, literally, tag the No Name RC podcast. And show us. And thank you to everybody that supported us. And thank you to Manscaped.com for coming on and being a part of the podcast. I appreciate that. So, Joseph, news this week in RC. Um, first, I we'll get into the big news, but I wanted I saw something that caught my eye here uh, this week. Um, hold on, I had it. Now I'm looking for it again. But obviously, we. Oh yes, here it is. So we was talking about the E-Nationals last week might probably being the biggest Nationals of this year. Well, unfortunately for Flowwood RC and for all fans of racing, the E-Nationals has been canceled. So it looks like there is absolutely no off-road Nationals this year. This is a bummer because I was actually looking forward to this race. So... Unfortunately, no E-Nats, Joseph. No E-Nats for you to watch because I know you love watching E-Buggy. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I would have watched that. 
Yeah, I think everybody was nothing else really going on, so people would have watched this. So uh, I think it would have been well attended too. But speaking of well attended races, we have the Wicked Weekend going on, and that has the biggest amount of pros. Uh, I believe Spencer's there, Cole, Rick Saxton's even there, Mayfield, Fenn's there. Um, not sure who else. Uh, the track looks decent, but it looks like they might have rain. Uh, but they'll, you know what it is. It is what it is. You know, when you race outdoors, you have to deal with the rain. So there you go. So good luck to everybody at Wicked Weekend this week. We also have the Cheyenne uh, Showdown going. Uh, Tebow's going up to that. Wally's going to that. Uh, we have a uh, shout out to the people in Canada, Arterville. They're having the Arterville Nitro Blast. Track looks badass. And then next week we have uh, the bigger race at LCRC, which is the Mugen Challenge, uh, which was where the Nationals was going to be. So this is kind of going to be like a makeshift Nationals, I think. It's going to be where the Nationals were, but it's not going to be a Nationals. And I think this will be well attended as well. So... Yeah, lots. It's good to see racing going on. And when is I think that race in Portugal is coming up uh, this month too, right? I think I think so. Yeah. Yeah, and then we have the Hearts race coming up in Europe with um with uh oh with RC Racing TV going to do coverage of that. So we will get some great coverage from there. Uh, I was talking to Bro. They're racing in Malaysia. And, yeah, it's just racing's getting back to normal. Oh, dude. So, um, Kyle McBride, the wonder from Down Under, has been posting up pictures of him testing the uh, new Infinity car. Savage Sam's been posting them up. So, maybe Infinity is getting close to releasing actual pictures and stuff of their car. So it's being interesting to see what they've come, what they've, what they're bringing to the table here and uh, and offer it. Yeah, we'll see. You'll see. Have you seen anything besides the pictures from Ricardo Berton uh, last year or earlier this year? No. Interesting. Interesting. I'm. I'm. I really want to see what they bring. So it's going to be interesting to see. But I guess with Kyle leaking pick like videos, I mean, you can't really see. But I guess we're going to start seeing some uh, some rolling, some promotion here coming out soon. So that's good. Good stuff. All right. So the big news of this week is, Joseph, honestly, um, I didn't see this coming, but we got hit with it Monday. Monday was Horizon, Horizon Hobby buying out ProLine Racing, the old, probably the oldest tire company in RC. So... It was a big shock. It was a big shock to lots of people, even people that drive ProLine and whatnot. And the, of course, the internet absolutely melted after this. Um, you know, we, you, Horizon has its first share of haters and its first share of, of people that like it. And, um, wow, this is a interesting, interesting. It's not interesting because I, I, RC is just bound to go corporate anyway, you know, Horizon is some big conglomerate. And actually, I forgot we have some more news about a corporate uh, company as well. Horizon is some big conglomerate. I know I'm saying that wrong. That's just gobbling up all these smaller companies. And I mean, what does this mean for ProLine? So there's lots of speculation going on. Like, you know, obviously ProLine is um, 
that their manufacturing is in America, right? They're in Banning. So people's like, oh, it's going to move to China and this. And, it, and, it, and then because, you know, apparently when Hobbico, when they bought Hobbico, Horizon bought Hobbico, they're like, everybody's upset about what happened to Axio and all this type of stuff. But I don't know. I don't see what's really wrong. I mean, they just released a brand new kit and all this type of stuff. I guess people just don't like corporate. So everybody's, you know, so like people's like, oh, um, it's going to ruin ProLine and this and that. And. Yeah, and then you, then you have the rumors, oh, ProLine must have been in financial trouble. That's why they did it. And oh, da, 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 da. and so nobody really knows what's going on here. But ProLine did release a press release where they pretty much said, um, no, we just took the, I guess, to me, it sounds like they took the opportunity to, to sell to Horizon. This opens doors for them to get licenses for more bodies, more full-scale bodies and stuff because, you know, ProLine... The big market for a big market for Proline is RTR, scale, drag racing, all this type of stuff. You know, the racing side's big, but not as big as that side. So it provides opportunities for that. Better distribution. Um, pretty they pretty much said things will remain the same. They'll still be reproducing in the warehouse in their space where they do in banning. Um, the employees will stay the same. I believe the guy, Tom Matheson or whatever, is still gonna be running it on that side. So it sounds like they've kind of doing what they did when they bought Losi. But then eventually Losi had to go, you know, from an American made, everything made in America to being made all overseas. So I, maybe they do this for four or five years, but I can see if, in me, I can eventually just see this moving overseas like anything else. It's just what corporations do because it makes sense because it makes more money. So... Lossy wasn't made in America. Well, at first it was. Well, a very long time ago. Yeah, but that's what I'm talking about. I'm not even sure that. I don't think it was made. Well, I could be wrong, but I, I don't think, think you're it wrong. was made in America I when Horizon bought it. No, they, they, I think you're. Uh, I think you're wrong. I was watching the. Uh, I was watching the documentary on them uh, a couple of weeks ago, but I'll I'll, re I'll revisit it and check it out. It's a really good documentary. What's your thoughts on this, Joseph? Yeah, I really didn't see that coming. That was a surprise. Uh, I don't know about Proline. Either it's uh, sort of cashing out in a way, like, why not? It's great. You sort of get a payday and uh, don't have to worry about owning a company. Just work for someone. Get a payday and have a job. I mean, it's... I mean, it makes sense like that. Or then it could be that they actually were in financial trouble and it's like, well, how do we solve this? We need investment. We need to do something. Oh, well, let's sell to Horizon. You know, so who knows? I, don't, I wasn't there, so I don't know. What do you think this is going to do for their product? Does it really matter? Um, if I would have to guess then eventually, yes, they'll make more stuff in Taiwan and China, and they'll they'll do less and less of anything sort of special for racing, like developing special compounds or doing something special for worlds or anything like that. So it will be, yes, they will still have the racing stuff, but it's not, I don't think they, they will sort of go that extra mile for the racing stuff. That would be my guess. Especially if they move 
a lot of the stuff overseas, then yeah, it's even even harder to do those kind of things. Yeah. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see actually how it how it changes things for the racing side. It, I mean, it, Proline is pretty big, a pretty big company. They employ, I don't know how many people now, 30 to 50 people, I think, or was it more? RCGP did a video on that, I think. Yeah, Go watch that. Yeah, we have to check it out. So. What about all these people that have Proline sponsorships? I'm pretty sure that's going to diminish. I don't know what's going to happen there and how that's going to well, I think I think what's going to happen is these people, their deals not going to be as, because, you know, you heard these astronomical numbers of people that are on 75% and have budgets and all this type of stuff, people that barely even race. And I think what this is going to do is just, obviously these people are going to be searching for better deals elsewhere. And then the little companies, the smaller companies, Raw, raw Speed, AKA, well, AKA isn't small, but you know, I mean, more people just end up running these products, probably J Concepts, Hot Race. So there are options out there, but I think their team is going to be limited. I I mean, look at look, look at who they have on their team that are paid purse. You got Adam Drake, you got Tasman, you got Born Horse. Those are the top three guys that I know. I don't know who's in Europe that runs ProLine uh, exclusively. What's, what's Drake going to think about this? He's not going to like this. <laughs> well... He was also in the documentary, though, so I don't think he has that much hard, hard feelings because he was a part of the Losi documentary, so that had to be done by Horizon. So yeah, I don't know. Well, let Drake, let's be realistic. Drake was a big part of TLR. You know, he's one of the reasons it's big as it is now. Gas truck days, and he was the guy, and then. You know, he gets to Horizon, and then I think he does a few, maybe a year or two at Horizon, gets Mayfield on, and then he gets let go. Yeah, I'm, and maybe there are some bad feelings there. We'll never know. But I would kind of be like, yeah, you know, forget you. So it will be interesting to see how this all proceeds. How many more companies will Horizon gobble up? Is it going to yeah, be like next? Amazon here soon? What does this mean for hobby shops? I don't know. There's a great article written, uh, actually, if you guys check it out, I read it. It's written by Rich Morgan of the rcnetwork.com. He posted this on A-Main. And I'll tell you what, it's a really good article. And he, and he asks all those questions and runs different scenarios. And I think we just have to wait and see how, how things pan out. But, you know, like anything in RC, it's, it's hard to change things, as we, we all know that. So I don't know how this is going to affect it. But definitely big news. Definitely humongous news so we'll see you know what our joseph um <clears throat> it was just brought to my attention today this morning actually as i was uh as i came here to the office because we were supposed to record earlier and uh one of my sources that's all i'm going to say sent me a message sent me a message with some pictures and traxxas is suing mclan mclan electronics that make escs motors for 10 scale eight scale cars not sure if they're making eight scale stuff yet so they're suing McLan for inf uh, copyright infringements, I guess. And basically, uh, McLaren, uh, McLan has called their latest ESC the M, uh, the M Max, M-A-X-X. -X. And they're saying that that infringes on the T-Max brand and all that type of stuff. And all I can think when I see this is this is so freaking petty. 
and I just think about you with Arma and Habiko and Arma and the shit that you went through. And then we, it's like it's a plethora of comments talking about how Traxxas is trying to destroy all the other companies in RC and all this type of stuff. Wow, this is insane. Like some big company, like I guess McLaren's big, but it's not as big as Traxxas. For naming their ESC MM M Max, like come on. So does well, Traxxas earn Max the word Max? Well, maybe they, yeah, they probably did trademark that. T-Max name. So anything, you know, everyone knows T-Max, you know, I see, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever, whatever Max, other Max stuff Traxxas has. So, yeah, I, I mean, it makes sense to me. Some in Max, people would sort of link it to Traxxas somehow. Uh, that makes perfect sense to me. So, I don't know. I, I've heard and seen before, Traxxas has a lot of different trademarks and patents. Patents. How do you say that? Patents. 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 And uh, they've, yeah, been uh, to court many times with various different companies. So, yeah, it's just, it's not sort of this is some unique thing like they do mm-hmm. it. I wouldn't compare it at all to the armor thing because that was not. This is an RC brand. It's telling an RC thing. Yes. That's called almost the same as Traxxas RC stuff. And this was an energy drink that has nothing to do with RC. So it didn't make sense. It didn't make any sense. It was really stupid. So, yeah, I wouldn't really compare it to that. Yeah, but I was also reading that they're not only just suing RC companies, anybody that, anybody, I don't know how true that is, but they have a shit ton of suits out from people. I just, I kind of wonder, like, Traxxas has benefited from obviously Traxxas makes its money right it's benefited obviously from the race side of rc slash revo all that type of stuff got it really got big and racing at some point i i kind of wish like Traxxas would stop would, would just like they put all this money into to full scale racing and all that stuff like why couldn't they just donate like part of that budget to help grow rc racing at some point. I don't know. Take what what many again? Traxxas sponsors full they have their full uh, full scale they sponsored. Oh yeah. yeah. Drag racing, well, truck I mean, racing. Did, but it did grow RC because when they did that, a ton of people who hadn't owned RC cars got Traxxas cars. So in that sense it did help to grow RC. Yeah, but I would think like they would they're into this racing, like they like full scale racing and stuff, but I would like to see them put some money back into actual racing of RC. I think if Traxxas decide to make a fucking race team, dude, it will be the biggest, baddest race team in RC. Yeah, but it would be detrimental to their brand. They are the fastest name in RC, right? Isn't that their yes. slogan? So, I mean, then they get into racing and they suck and don't win. So, I mean, that wouldn't be good for their brand. So... They just make the claim that they are the best and the fastest and the greatest in RC, and then they make products for the mass market, like the most mass market um, possible in RC, which is like first-time buyers and bashers and that kind of stuff. So they don't need to go in racing, and they no. shouldn't actually, because probably the only thing that could happen is that it would weaken their brand. Well, they did race, and they were smart enough to get out of it. 
Uh, they won a national title at the same time, I believe. So, yeah. Interesting stuff. Interesting stuff going on. Imagine if, like, tire companies started suing each other for tread pattern copies and all that stuff. Oh, my gosh. It'd be insane. Or, or other companies suing each other, RC manufacturers companies suing each other for copyright infringement. Fuck, everybody would be in court. Crazy. I know. It's. I guess that's a good thing. I guess people just don't have time to waste the money on that stuff, but Traxxas has money and they want to do it. And so, What can you do when, when you're fighting like big corporations like that. So, and it's not going to affect them if, if RC people stop buying the stuff because people still buy it. I mean, I've got tracks of stuff right there. So, I don't know. Good stuff. I think that's all we have for the news this week, Josie. So, we do have a few questions, not much. So, let's go in to the Beach RC questions. BeachRC.com, the racer's one-stop online hobby shop. Choose from all the popular brands and variety in stock with super fast shipping and great customer service. BeachRC.com still has the local hobby shop feel with all the benefits of the internet. BeachRC.com is the exclusive distributor for Ultimate Racing, JQ Racing, Pro Circuit Racing Tires, Nitro Lux Fuels, and Assault RC Performance Products. So fill up your cart and check out at BeachRC.com today. And thank you, BeachRC. BeachRC is a brick and mortar hobby shop. Brent and Lucas are actually at Wicked Weekend this week. Uh, they have taken the whale up there and they are doing track support for all your parts. So if you need some parts, go see Beach RC. I wish JQ would get a silent mouse because all I hear is click, click, click. Um, thank you to those guys. If you guys can, we do have an affiliate link. Use it. It helps us out a little bit. Uh, it shows support for a great brick and mortar shop. And, you know, you just you show the, the podcast a little, bit love, a little bit of love and they bring the Beach RC bench racing q and a all right joseph so we we don't have many questions this week so you should be happy you don't have to you don't have to be sociable too much all right so the first question we has have is from jason bukal what's up jason how you doing man have you ever had an all-electric guy who knows nothing about nitro flip your car over by grabbing the sides and burning the shit out of their hand probably i've seen that happen at a few races um, or, or somebody's gas in the car and they rip their, you know, the tires balloon up or something like that. We got to be a little bit more patient with turn marshal. I like to use my foot. I run down and, uh, flip it over. Uh, I don't have much football skills, but I can do that. I got in trouble for that one time. Uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Babcock got pissed off at me when I did that at AMS. But if I had tried to bend down and flip that car off, once I got this mass of, sexiness rolling downhill i would have been flipping doing barrel rolls down all across the track and it would have been fun um i remember that time in bolivia when i when i went to turn marshall a car and i fucking slipped on that mud and fell on my face and got all dirty like first thing in the morning in front of all those people was beautiful girls there and everything i was so embarrassed dude i like you know i I, I went to run and I just slipped because they had watered the track. Luckily, I didn't fall in the mud. I just fell in the dust. I got, and the cars were coming. Like, the car even jumped over me or something like that. Man, I was so embarrassed, sir. I tried to play it off like I didn't, like it weren't nothing, but 
Damn it, I was embarrassed. So funny. Ah, uh, shut up. Adam Ross. What's up, Adam Ross? Up there at the uh, uh, Otterville for their big race this weekend. How often should you change out the outdrives and pins? Have you ever used the pin tool to save the outdrives and get more out of the drive shafts? Can I answer this too, Joseph? Yes, absolutely. I actually really like the Mugen tool. I have one. I've used it uh, many times. It's really easy to use. Um, changing your pins is definitely something you want to do to save your outdrives. The Mugen tool is uh, it's pretty simple. But what you want to do is you don't want to first you don't want to let your pins get too flat. So you don't want to get look like razor blades out there. So when you're using the Mugen tool, right? I don't know about any other tools that they're out there. What I used to do would, um, if it was too thin on the top, I would take my Dremel and cut it off to where you still had the circle part or a bigger part for the point of the Mugen tool to push it out and then push it out. If you try to do it and it's too worn, you know, the tool just slips off and then you end up breaking the piece. So get the Mugen tool. If the pin's really worn out. Cut it. You can cut it right down to wherever. Like as long as you have that the hole, like the uh, profile of the hole pin, put the Mugen tool in there and just click, 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 and pushes it out. Put the other pin in there. Boom, boom. It five minutes. It's done. All right. This is an exact. This is uh, a question just for you, Joseph, because you are the e buggy specialist. Say your e buggy normally runs a center diff weight of twelve k. And you're at a track with some tough triple uh, triples and doubles. Do you recommend increasing or decreasing center diff rate? I was always under the assumption that when you drop some, when you drop down to gain rear power and traction. Sorry, I messed it up, Matthew. I was always under the assumption that when you drop down, you gain rear power and traction. So is this is this the most common solution to gain a little traction? That's from Matthew J. For, for, forget. I think he runs at, um, he used to run at that Wild West, and what's called Gladiators now. What's your opinion on that, Joseph? If you want more acceleration, more drive, so you can clear jumps, you go thicker center diff oil. But if you do that, it's, it could be harder to control the car. Like you get on the gas and the rear wants to break loose. So, yes, you have more drive but it can be harder to control accelerating out of the corner. So a thinner uh, center defoil will make it easier to uh, accelerate. So the rear won't want to step out as much because more of the drive is escaping to the front tires. So the rear isn't driving as much. So the car will accelerate more straight. So maybe for some, for some driver, because if they can't handle the power and they can't, accelerate straight with a thick center diff maybe if they go thinner they can and they can just maintain more corner speed and accelerate earlier and accelerate straight so that maybe they like a lesser skilled driver maybe can feel like oh now i can clear the jumps but it's it's not exactly that's that's not what you would do like if your car is working well and you need more drive to clear a jump you go thicker on the diff or not thinner yeah, it's a if you if you can't clear with an e buggy man, then that's a big jump because them e buggies have got so much power. But a lot of people run heavier diff oils in e buggies anyway. Period. Correct. 
Yeah, I think so. In the sensitive. Yeah. Why is that? Just to stop the just stop. It Actually, I've I've thought about that too. I I think it's. <laughs> I think it has to do with the power, how the power is so direct and there's so much of it. So it's just like the sensitive always seems to diff out. Like you, you, when you go to accelerate, the front tires just balloon up a lot on the buggy. So that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Thank you for the question, Matthew. You know what? We're gonna, I'm going to say nitro is the glory, but um, yeah, man, e-bug is all good. I like it. I've got one coming here soon. I need to get some hardware for it too, some motor and ESE. Chris Oxley, in 2017, JQ said that within five years, I'll have a four-wheel drive and two-wheel drive 10-scale buggy release. How's that going? It's not going to happen. <laughs> you were so determined to do that. Then you went to uh, Reedy Race, and your dreams of making a 10-scale just went down the drain. Well, maybe it wasn't exactly that, but yeah. I yeah. mean, I... I've designed them, but yeah, they don't exist. All right. We have a question from Matthew. I'm not going to say his last name. He uh, sent a PM and he's joking with you because he asked you question. Guess I would like to ask the drama queen, has he ever read a book called How to Win Friends and Influence People? I think he might gain mm -hmm. some knowledge. He says, I'm only joking. I'm very entertained by him and I receive so much great information from the both of you on the podcast. Well, thank you, dude. I appreciate that. And Joseph, you'd somewhat appreciate you, man. Yeah, I have it. I didn't like it. Oh, you did? You did read it. <laughs> yeah. It didn't work. At all. Did yeah. not work. And look at you. You're still making noise. You know I'm going to have to go into the podcast and, like, edit all this noise that you're making, right? Okay. Donnie MC, okay, we're going on to some IG questions. Donnie MC Glamoury. I am wanting to get back into racing RC. For now, it has been a backyard hobby, but I want to step up to racing. What is a good platform to start racing in? I want it to be a nitro 10th scale buggy. Thanks. What's up, Donnie? Thanks for, for the question. Unfortunately, I don't think there's any 10th scale nitro buggies anymore. I don't think they even race them. There's, I don't even think there's any made. Maybe some cheap knockoff Chinese versions. But um, No, if you want nitro, you race. Eight if you want nitro off-road, you race eight scale. Yeah. That's it. Um, they don't make any more. Yeah, the only 10 scale that I remember was the buggies. And I remember HBI had, I'm sorry, 10 scale trucks, gas trucks. But we don't really race that, man. If you want to race nitro, uh, dead set on racing nitro, which we have no issue with. Uh, get into eight scale buggy, man. You will, you, you you'll love it. It's a it's a steep learning curve, but go to a track and um, learn. Help get somebody that's knowledgeable in tuning engines and stuff like that, because that's going to be your first uh, hurdle is getting your engine tuned properly. And the engines are a lot easier to tune nowadays. And you'll go from there. If you don't want to run, if you don't want to run nitro, or if you're, you want to go electric. There's many different classes you can get into. Um, uh, E-buggy, for instance. I'm going to even say it. E-truggy, mini-truggy. Uh, Four-wheel drive because it's just easier. If you really want to go two-wheel drive, you can. It's a little harder to drive, uh, but it will make you a better driver in the long run. But, yeah, definitely go eight-scale nitro, dude. And, um, yeah, nitro is the glory. 
What's up, KB Wolf 83? What's up, Kenny? He says, cake or pie? What do you prefer, Joseph? Cake. Yeah, I'm a cake guy too. Chocolate cake. Um, not really a big pie guy. So yeah, definitely cake. He also asks, what is more what is more important to tune on your shocks? The spring rate or the oil weight? And how much does the bore size matter? Well, what's more important to tune? I mean, there's two different things, first of all. So the spring rate, the spring is what you use to limit chassis movement. So how much it rolls or dives or squats when you accelerate. Uh, that's limited by the spring. So harder spring, the car will stay more flat, won't roll as much car will be more responsive, but overall have a bit less traction. So a harder spring you would run on, let's say, if you were going from a loose track to a very high grip track, it would make sense to run a harder spring. You know, another way to limit roll is roll bars, thicker roll bars. But that's what the spring is for. So you adjust the spring to traction level. Very loose track, softer spring. High grip track, harder spring. The oil is different. The oil is um, used to adjust the, the damping, how, how fast the car rolls to the limit that the, the spring has set, how fast all those movements happen. That's what you, you tune with the oil. So with a soft oil, the car will roll quicker and easier. With thicker oil, it will take longer. So all that movement will be slower. So you can already predict what the handling traits will be. Thinner oil, car is more responsive. Car has a bit more grip. Thicker oil, car will be less responsive and a bit less grip, more stable. I mean, yeah, more stable. What, so, what's all uh, that scratching noise, dude? Just scratching. What are you doing? I don't know. Stop. It's not a, doing anything it's rubbing right now. on your beard. Think, I'm thinking. Uh, so... Yeah, so yes, you do match, you do kind of match the oil to the spring also, but we, we rarely change the spring that much that you would have to uh, change the oil because of that. Like you put such a hard spring on that the oil suddenly feels thin. Like we, we don't really get to that point in the changes we do. Uh, so yeah, oil is mainly just adjusted for temperature and then sometimes you adjust it uh, for bumps on the track or you want just a slightly different balance of the car, you want a bit more rear grip or something and you figure like, you know, I want a bit more rear grip and also it, it's not going through the bumps quite as well as it could. Like maybe you think, okay, so I'll try going thinner on the, the shock oil. Like there are times when you would consider adjusting the shock oil for something like that. But yeah, it's, it's not like the way he phrased the question isn't quite correct because they are, they're different things okay. used for different purposes. Um, and we have one more question. This came in from my good buddy, Sean Rosen. He actually called in last night. He wanted to ask Tebow, I guess this is a thing they do on the techno cars, but he was saying that they drill one or two really small holes 
in their pistons, their shock pistons, like a really small, like smaller than like what? And just they drill one yeah, or smaller something. than a millimeter. Excuse yeah. me. Smaller than a millimeter, I guess. Yeah. What? What? Why is that um, done? What's the reasoning for that? He wanted to know. Well, the other guy still had an, another question about the bore size. Oh, so the size yeah, I'm of sorry. The piston. I'm, I'm sorry about that, Kenny. Keep bore size. Sorry, sorry. I was thinking. Yeah. That. So mo most eight scale buggies, the piston sizes or the shock body size is 16 millimeters. That's kind of a pretty standard. Some have bigger shocks, and I'm not. I don't think anyone has smaller ones anymore. But basically, when we moved to the bigger size shock body and piston, you were able to set the suspension softer and more plush, yet still have pack. So the bigger bodies mean that you basically have more pack. You are able to make a setting that's soft and plush, but still have enough pack to um, absorb, you know, landings and and harder hits. I think so most these shocks were under 16, I think. Maybe, I think they're like 15 and something. I might be wrong now, but uh, yeah. I, remember no, I think they're 16. So they're, the Codefend borrowed, or I gave the Codefend mm -hmm. uh, pistons at the 2014. Yeah, 14 worlds. So ever since then, they've been 16. So I think they've always been I think Jammin was the first company to come up with 16, 16 millimeters, if I remember correctly. Yeah. I don't know. Either them or, or, uh, or Losi. I don't know. Oh, no, Jammin was around Yeah, Jammin was around that. before Losi. Yeah, but I can't remember. I think 2008 Worlds. That's kind of when the Lousy came out, right? Mm -hmm. Truly, oh, a little bit that year, yeah. Yeah. So, weren't the jamming guys still running small shocks then? Man, I I can't remember. Man, I went to two thousand and five. Um, no, man, they had they had sixteen millimeter shocks in two thousand and five. No, I don't know. Look, I got out of RC. In 2005, right, Joseph? And I had 16 millimeter shocks on my jamming. I could be wrong, but I think I'm right. But I've always, I've been wrong before. Um, well, thank you. I'm sorry to cut your, your question short there, uh, Kenny. Uh, on to Sean's question about the, the little small hole drilled into the shock piston. Yeah, so the small holes make it so... Um, you have some, you have softer, low speed damping. You, you can like slightly affect the difference between low speed and high speed damping. By that. So it's not an exact science, exact, but this is basically what happens. The small holes in the piston, when they're really small, the suspension movements that happen in a corner, say, or when you accelerate or brake, like the chassis just sort of rolling relatively slowly and the movement not being that big for the shock, mm -hmm. that happens easier because oil will still flow through those small holes also. So the suspension is a bit softer around ride height, a bit more plush. But then when the speed gets higher, so the piston is moving faster, 
those small holes that oil uh, won't be able to flow through those holes anymore uh, like it does at, lo at the low speed because the, the, the holes are so small. And also it helps to still in, in, uh, maintain the pack so you can have suspension that's softer and more plush Yet then when you land a jump or hit a big bump at high speed, you still have pack. So that's what those small holes do. Interesting. Awesome. It's always something, dude. Little things like that I would never even think of. <clears throat> I remember you had some pistons. Uh, I believe they came on the previous edition to the black edition, and they had many, many little holes all over them. Was that the theory with that or, or similar? Yeah, that's how that worked, yeah. Okay. Awesome, awesome, awesome stuff. Well, thank you, everybody, for the questions. It's uh, greatly appreciated. Thank you to BeachRC for sponsoring this part of the podcast. And, um, hey, remember, we have that affiliate link. If you guys can use that, please go. It helps out us, uh, helps keep track of what we're doing here. And, uh, you know, showing, the, showing our sponsors some love shows the podcast some love. So, Joseph, I am going to now go into the interview with Bess, and we will come back for the rest of the podcast in a bit, okay? Okay. Techno RC. Techno RC. Techno RC is a premium manufacturer specializing in 8th and 10th scale high-performance off-road RC buggies and trucks. Visit www.technorc.com for a complete catalog of their products. TechnoRC, excellence in engineering. Hashtag Techno Takeover. Joining us this week on the No Name RC podcast is a man who is well versed in RC. He has been in the RC news media for many years, not now, but he worked in it for many years, worked for every single magazine. Well, not every single one, but he worked for Drive, uh, RC Car, Extreme RC, as well as Car Action in his time in RC. And he still races RC to this day. I got the pleasure to meet him uh, in person last year at Hot Rod Hobbies at Tuesday Night Nationals. I've read many of his articles in these magazines, his shootouts, uh, product reviews, he was very uh, involved in the starting grid, ice grid back in the day. You guys heard me talk a lot about that. I'd like to welcome Mr. Stephen Bess to the podcast. What's up, Bess? How you doing? Hey, doing great. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on, man. Um, yeah. How you doing, man? Doing really good. You know, just surviving the COVID crap and uh, working from home and uh, racing as much as I can. You know, in Southern California, we're, we're still racing mm -hmm. here and there with... Uh, you know, distancing and being smart with the masks and stuff like that. Like my home track is Hot Rod Hobbies with uh, Jimmy Babcock runs and they enforce, you know, mask policy and only so many people on the driver's stand. So we're still able to go out and have fun and, you know, not put anybody at risk. So racing every Tuesday there and occasionally on some of the weekends whenever I can doing a lot of nitro eight scale. You know, the first time I ever went to Hot Rods was last year when I went with Greg and my buddy Mike and we was there. And I met you and I said, I'm going to have you in the podcast, but it was busy. It, it was a busy night, but it felt like I, I kind of crossed a, 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 an event off my bucket list of RC. <laughs> I, 
uh, I got to go to Hot Rod Hobbies. I got to do, I always hear about um, the Tuesday Night Nationals. Greg's always talking about it. And I will tell you, it was fun. I didn't race, but yeah. it, like this is a Tuesday night club race. And it was like, it was fun, but it was serious too. It was some fast guys there. Yeah. And I was like, in my mind, I just said, this is why in California, these guys are so fast. They mm. do this every week. Right. And, you know, on 10 scale as well. And then, they pro- then they'll go racing that weekend. Mm-hmm. This is why these guys are fast. And yeah, it's amazing. It's 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 I I suggest to anybody to go do Tuesday night nationals. Um, young kid that drives JQ Cody. He was there the other mm-hmm. like last month with Greg, yep. and he had a blast. Yeah. So if you're in California, go to Hot Rods. Do Tuesday night nationals. Just hang out there. It's worth it. Yeah. It's um you know we're north of LA, uh, kind of in between a lot of different tracks. And um, I remember when I moved to California, it just blew my mind that. If you really wanted to, and if you had enough vehicles, you could race, you could club race almost every night of the week um, if you had enough vehicles and enough personal time, obviously. Um, but yeah, that just blew my mind. And coming from, you know, outside of California here, it there was a, a steep learning curve of how, you know, races are run and how fast everybody is here. And, um, you know, they say most of the times you're the fastest you'll ever be when you're really young. I'm faster now than I was 15 years ago when I moved here. I know that for sure, just because I've gotten my ass kicked by every pro um, on the planet here in Southern California, and it makes you get faster. So it's a lot of fun. Yeah, Greg enjoys his battles with you, and then yeah. we throw in Barry mm-hmm. once in a while. He comes around. Yeah. And Bill keeps threatening to get a nitro. He said on, the, on when I recorded with him last, he's going to get one for sure. Right. It's I. And I said this, I just enjoy watching because you guys are my, well, you was more of a magazine guy, but you know, Greg, yeah. all these guys, this is my era. I call this the attitude. I say it all the time. This is the attitude era of RC. Yeah. These are the guys I watched growing up and I can still see it when they're at the track, when they're shit talking and smack mm-hmm. talking. Each other. I'm like, these guys are still doing the same things they were doing 20 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. When the, when that scene was really building up, like those mm-hmm. were the, those are the OG guys, you know, the the Saxons, the Greg, the Chad Bradleys, the ones that, you know, Chad used to race at Hot Rods as his home track, too, for a long time when he worked at Upgrade uh, mm-hmm. with Robert Ibon. And, um, yeah, dude, I just couldn't believe it. I mean, they were on a weekly basis. There were pros coming through that were like world's finalists, world champions, and uh, just getting to watch them every week and learn and watch them wrench and ask questions. And still to this day, you get to do that. I, you know, I club race with Adam Drake here and there and Rhonda and I learned a lot just watching them. So yeah, it's impossible to not get faster if you race here on a regular basis. Yeah. And the weather's so good out there in California and it's oh, just, yeah. just, it's just a great, you know, it just explains why the guys are so fast. And I, I always tell people like, you want to get faster, go to California, spend some time out there and race. Yep. Just race. Cause you're going to have plenty of racing. You're racing against fast dudes. Oh yeah. yeah. But you're originally from Tennessee. Okay. Yeah. Uh, back East in Tennessee, I grew up outside of Nashville, um, did a little bit of RC racing, but mainly just a bunch of bashing. I mean, I had like race cars, but I was running them on gravel driveways, <laughs> like I lived down the country. Uh, but the one racetrack I used to go to in Nashville was Rivergate RC when they had a track, it was like a carpet track. And it's funny cause this is like the early nineties and, um, in the winter, the weather there was so bad, they would convert their indoor carpet on-road track into an indoor carpet off-road track um, just so that we could run our buggies and stuff just little jumps you know here and there and that was a lot of fun but I remember thinking man I'd, you know 
we should be on dirt if we could be, but they didn't have indoor dirt at that place. But man, talking about being ahead of its time, because now, you know, indoor carpets, like that's the thing for off-road. Well, they've been doing it for so long over in, in like the UK forever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, people can hate on it, but I actually, I actually enjoy it. Yeah. And I like carpet. It's fast. Yeah. It's definitely fast. It, um, it takes a lot of good setup. It's not necessarily a, you know, an entry level like class that I would suggest someone to go try because they might get lapped 15 times in a qualifier. But um, yeah, so that, that was where my RC, you know, career, if you want to call it that, started was in Nashville. What was your first car? Oh man, my first car was a, was a Kyosho Highrider Corvette, like the big monster truck. Oh yeah. And um, yeah, I got that when I was like 11 or so. And, and my mom tells this story to anybody that ever will listen to it um you know she like scraped together the money for me to get this because i knew it was what i wanted and she got it you know before christmas and like opened the box and saw like a bazillion parts and she started crying because she's like i just wasted all this money there's no way that steven's gonna be able to put this together and um i like got it i was all excited and i was like hey you just leave me alone in my bedroom and i'm gonna come out with a car she's like oh god okay and sure enough like a day and a half later i came out with car and I was running it around the front yard, and that was where it all started. That thing was super cool. <laughs> so did, how did that work out? Did you get it fixed all up and running? Was she shocked when that happened? Oh, yeah. No, she was shocked. And um, she, I think then she knew. She's like, okay, this is like his thing. Like, he's mechanically inclined. I love to build stuff. I was always taking stuff apart, you know, as a kid and, you know, disassembling the toaster oven and getting in trouble. Um, so the RC was a way for me to do that and, like, channel all of that. So she was she was very very happy that I was able to put it together. She wasn't so happy like day two when I came in with a big uh, resistor burn on my thumb. You know those white resistors that they used to have for mechanical speed controllers. Yeah, I burned the crap out of myself on that at least a dozen times. But other than that, everything went great. <laughs> what was your first uh, race grade car? A uh, Team Losi uh, JRX Pro, like so the car right after the JRX Two. Mm-hmm. Um, so it didn't have like the, the trailing arm, the five link suspension. It had just regular a arm. Um, and yeah, I remember the box even, it was like a dark pitch black box with the, with the car silhouette on the front and on the side, you know, Gil Losey Jr. Like a picture of him and like with the button up and little quote and stuff from him. And, um, I love that car. I've still got it actually. Uh, well, actually it's right up here behind me. I converted it into, let me see if I can point right. I converted it into that. JRXT um, back in like 93 or so. Um, but yeah, that was my first car and I loved it. It was awesome. So you but, still have your first car? Yeah. That's it's, it's right above my head. <laughs> wow. I, um, I recently have gotten into vintage GI Joe collecting. Mm-hmm. And damn it, I wish I still had all my GI Joes from back when I was a kid. I even asked my mom. Um, so to have your first race grade RC car is pretty awesome. Yeah. I couldn't let it go. I never was ready to let it go. <laughs> I don't throw anything away now. Like I yeah. got all my cars there. Like I was like, sell me your cars. Like, no, I did sell my, my low C eight to my buddy. And I almost want to get it back from him. Yeah. Um, Cause I just like to have them on the wall. Yep. So you're living in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, you're racing RC cars. Did it get serious there or just kind of, you did bash and, and race a little bit, but when did, things start to like what happened after that like when did things start to get a little bit more serious about racing rc cars it got it got a little more serious um while i was still in nashville but to be honest um 
it remained something that I did just like 99% just for fun because during that time I was really ramping up uh, playing baseball. So I was like, you know, 12, 11, 12, 13, if you're going to be serious with baseball, that's about the time you have to really start getting serious. You start traveling and doing tournaments and then high school baseball and, um, not to derail this too far about a baseball, but it's it's my own personal history. I was doing RC the entire time. I've never really stopped. But during that time, I started getting serious with baseball. Um, I went to college to play baseball, and then I got drafted uh, by the Detroit Tigers, and I played four years of minor league baseball and ended up with uh, Tommy John surgery. I don't know if you can see my scar, but a pitcher's injury. I was a pitcher. Mm-hmm. So um, I would take my cars with me you know, to the – baseball field this is always a great place to run an rc car um and i was racing when i could but honestly baseball was my main focus at that time and i just had my cars to wrench on and have fun with and you know roost the gravel all over my parents uh you know garage door because we did live on, on a gravel road <laughs> so how did you after your tommy john tommy john surgery did you was you able to continue playing baseball i was um and i came back and i was throwing even harder and doing great and then it loosened up again which is something that can happen you know you only really hear about the success stories um of the guys that make it but there's so many more there's exponentially more that have the surgery and struggle with it or can't come back or have another injury basically the the ligament that they transplanted in my elbow loosened up so it hurt so badly to throw a baseball just i couldn't do it anymore and i wasn't gonna have the surgery again because it's like a year to a year and a half recovery and I was in my mid twenties and I was just ready to get going, you know, with mm-hmm. something. So was you deflated after that? Was you like, like, this is my dream. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was a period of that. Um, at the same time, you know, I, I graduated from college. I, I always knew that education was important and I would encourage anybody that, you know, doesn't know exactly what they want to do, get an education because it opened doors for me. Um, I mean, even outside of RC, but when I was doing small jobs here and there, I was like, Oh, okay. You, graduated from this college or you've got these skills or whatever. And um, so on one hand, yeah, I was really deflated. And on another, I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm prepared though. I'm ready to, to go into the world and to do something cool. And um, right around that time I was, well, actually right before that, right before I got injured, I was contributing to um, RC car action and RC nitro magazine. I don't know if you remember nitro or not, but um, that was like a sub magazine of RC car action that was sold separately. Yes. I remember that. Yeah. So I was one of the primary, um, contributors at that time. Steve Pond ran the magazine, that nitro magazine. And, um, I learned so much from Steve just about the publishing industry. And I was, I was being a, a contributor while playing baseball. So like we were on bus trips, you know, with dudes in the back, like fighting and playing poker and, and drinking. And I would be up in the front, you know, like a, a nerd which I am um, with my laptop writing articles you know, or building kits like in hotel rooms. And that was what I did just to keep my mind occupied because, you know, 90% of professional baseball is riding a bus or being in a hotel or not playing baseball. You know, like the best part of my day, was like the 30 minutes that I might be in the game as a closer or something. So what, was, what I had to occupy myself the rest of the time. So I was contributing with RC uh, magazines and with nitro and RC car action. And, um, then when I got hurt and I knew it was time for me to move on, I'd also you know been working a little bit with uh, Mike Velez who ran Extreme RC and then Derek Bono. And uh, Mike offered me a job 
And I talked to my wife and in a matter of about, I don't know, 48 hours, we were like, all right, we're moving from Houston and going to California. Let's do it. So um, that was where like the full-time magazine career really took off, which was like the early 2000s. Sweet. Just yeah. want to rewind that back on baseball because there are a sure. few athletes like Paul Coleman used to play baseball yeah, um, and got into RT and did pretty, did really well. Yeah. Good friend of mine. I'm trying to get him on this podcast for a minute. Oh, um, you should. He's got stories. <laughs> oh, I, um, Reggie Tong. Uh-huh. Uh, he's a footballer. Yeah. Footballer there, into RC. But Paul was telling me how um, Ozzy Smith got him into RC. Oh. And, and I've been trying, and I might have him on here, but uh, Ben Wallace. I interviewed Ben Wallace. Yeah. Yeah. You, you did the RC car interview, right? Yeah, that's right. That was awesome. Yeah. We, we went to his yeah. house. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah. he's going he's going the deepest though, I think. Um like starting up his own race team and all that stuff. Yeah. I I am my best to get him on her. I've spoken to him. He's agreed to. It's just a matter of timing. We we're supposed to do it last a uh, couple of days ago, but he you know, I, I suppose he's a busy dude too. Yeah. But um I really and Reg, Reggie still races a lot. Reggie races down in the south and a lot of East Coast races. Uh, yeah. so he's he's busy too. Yeah. I really wish we would get more of these athletes promoting what we do uh and yeah. maybe hopefully getting more people more like that guy Dak Shepard like he did yeah. that hard track and that went viral I'm like I want to have you on the podcast and I'm messaging him and there's nobody obviously no one's going to answer me he probably gets a million DMs every day or whatever you know right so these people are like I really want these guys to promote and all the motocross guys and all that stuff yeah and I know I just I wanted to say this when you're talking about Tommy John Tommy John surgery Man, I don't know what uh, Bartolo Colon has done. Mm. I think he came down here because he's Dominican, right? Mm-hmm. And he, yeah. I think he got stem cell down here in DR. Mm-hmm. And his arm and his order, because that guy is like, he's still playing. Or I don't, I think he still wants to play. He's almost 50. <laughs> it's crazy. And he's like, I love him because he's fat and he don't care. And, oh, yeah. He's awesome. He He's but, absolutely hilarious. And he's an amazing ball player. I mean, I remember when he was younger and he was throwing like 98. You know, and but he's been in the game for so long and he's so old now, he's like throwing 81 and still getting guys out, yeah. you know, just like flipping curveballs and stuff. It's awesome to watch. Well, the DR is such a, I talk like baseball for these guys down here is like just like even the guys that go play softball, like the older guys who play softball, like it just, it's natural for them. They grew up playing it. These guys, yeah. you would think guys are, the way they play is like, wow. Yeah. Well, they, they they take it serious. Well, oh, a lot yeah. of the a lot of the Dominican uh, teammates that I had, you know, that was their that was their ticket, you know, to make money or to take care of their family. And I mean, they those guys worked their butts off and had a lot of respect for those guys that would come over, just you know, not really know what they're getting themselves into, leaving home and just going for it. That takes a lot of courage. So, yeah, I um. My son was starting to play. Now all he wants to do is play Fortnite. So I don't know. Maybe we'll get him back out there in a little bit. But um, that's a challenge, man. That's one of the things. I mean, I was thinking about what we would, what I would want to talk about just from my experience. You know, and like when I was in magazines, the the video games were still big, but like the phones, we, you know, being on your phone twenty four seven wasn't really as much of a thing. And I would say right now, like one of the biggest challenges for RC is just figuring out how to get new people in because we're gonna, we're going to talk about that. Yeah, perfect. We're going to talk about that because I, I think I agree with a lot of things. I think I know where you, where you, where your brain is on it. Mm-hmm. And 
I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much down for whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. I have my ways. I think we need to do it a whole bunch of ways to do it. <clears throat> so, all right. So let's, let's go back. You moved from Houston. Mm-hmm. Down there racing in Houston, you're down there with the Dallas guys. You said you knew you was telling me you knew, knew Mike Mike Patil. Yeah. Talking about him on the last mm-hmm. podcast. Um, he was the Revo guy, him and yeah. um and Bobby Moore and Revo was big. Yeah. And um Steve Slayton. Yeah. I Revo was fun though. Yeah. People, Revo was a lot of fun. Them things were fast. Once you put an 18 in there and got oh, yeah. two, yeah. And things were really fast. So you moved to California. Where did you move to in Cali? Um, Ontario, like yeah, Rancho Cucamonga, Ontario area. Um, that was close to where the, uh, think Omni media or extreme, uh, headquarters were. And, um, yeah, my wife moved out and she got a job out there, uh, while she was finishing up her grad school. And, um, so we lived out there for about a year, year and a half, and then ended up moving to Santa Clarita where we've been ever since. And, uh, you know, so like Ontario areas, like Revelation, that whole group, and then we were close to Thunder Alley, so it was really right in the middle of a whole bunch of really cool uh, racetracks. Oh man, um, I was just thinking about the Extreme Magazine, Extreme RC. It was a good magazine, man. I enjoyed mm-hmm. it. Yeah, because um, yeah. I used to always get that RC car and car action. I kind of stopped buying car action after a bit mm-hmm. because it got a little bit too just about the ads, but I get it. Yeah. Um, but Extreme was different. An RC car was different. Yeah. And how did now you you went from contributing to working for them directly? What <clears throat> changed in that? I'm sorry, what what did you ask? You went from contributing mm-hmm. to fully full-time working for a magazine. How did things change? Oh man. Um well it's you know, it's a lot different the when you're just writing an article from afar and sending it in and not really knowing what the whole publishing process is versus getting into you know, the office and watching a magazine take life, you know, from day one to day 29, when we have to send it to the printer. Um, it was just really fast paced. It was a lot of fun, very creative, lots of uh, creative meetings, trying to think about, you know, like always as an editor, I always wanted to put myself in like, you know, 13 year old me or 15 year old me shoes and be like, what would I want to read about? What's super cool? Like, you know, what, what the guys, what would make them flip through the pages and get excited and like, oh, cool, and another issue is coming. Um, so that's the way that I always tried to think about the articles that I wrote, which is why I did some shootouts that you had mentioned. I was really big on shootouts. Mm-hmm. And um, I wrote a lot of Nitro engine articles too, because those things fascinated yeah. me. And it doesn't seem like a lot of people really fully understood what, you know, how an engine worked or like why it would run a particular way. Um, so it, it changed by going from a contributor to a full-time employee at a, publishing company just having to meet deadlines and it not just being about writing the article or having fun with a car you know there's this whole side of the business where you've got to get stuff through at certain times art has to have their time with it then we have to proof it we don't want to send a magazine out with a whole bunch of embarrassing spelling errors you know or grammar errors or stuff in the wrong place and um you know so it was it went from just having fun with it to it being a, a serious full-time job and um, just like anything else, I guess. But it, uh, it always excited me because every single month was a new issue and your previous month's work was, you know, it was bound up and it was there forever. You couldn't go back and change it. So you better make each issue awesome. That was always my mindset um, because 
I didn't want to look back and be like, oh man, that issue sucked. <laughs> like, um, but it was, it was fun. It's fun to also still have all the magazines I've ever made. And I looked at this big stack, like this wall of magazines that I've got. And I'm like, man, that was, that was an awesome time, but holy shit, that was a lot of work. <laughs> so oh, I, I could imagine. Um, it's for me as weekly now doing these podcasts. Mm-hmm. So, and I kind of do them on my, I do them on my own and I plan them and, and do the time. And, um, honestly, a lot of this, a lot of it's done. Um, I've started to plan it a lot more now, but a lot of it is done off the cuff too, mm-hmm. uh, scraping by, but I try to make each one better and, yeah. and learn from each one. So mm-hmm. with magazines, I could imagine, and a lot of money in magazines back then, like I've, companies were paying a lot of money to advertise. Yep. Uh, well, I think um, I was talking to a company the other day who might be interested on the podcast of advertising. And he was telling me what he used to pay back in the day. And I was like, wow. Yeah. Uh, I was like, Jesus, I could, un- that's they had a big, big advertising budget. And uh-huh. uh, it's pretty amazing. But uh, shootouts, how long would it take you to do a car shootout? Oof. A long time. It would need to be planned probably three months ahead, um, mm. at least three months ahead, so that you could get the cars built. Um, you know, we I didn't really want to do a bunch of ready-to-run shootouts, so we would always try and do race car shootouts. Mm. Um, get the cars prepped, contact the manufacturers, let them know what we were going to do. One of the things that I loved to at least offer was to have a manufacturer rep present um, so that they knew that if their car, however it performed well or not, that it was set up properly. We didn't have it out there, you know, with some whacked out setup, you know, for them to be like, well, of course it didn't do well. You guys had no clue what you're doing, setting the car up. So we would invite all the manufacturers out and that took planning time. And then, um, you know, getting out to the track and like dedicating three, four five days to really do it right and get the photography for it and video. So it was, it's probably like a three month process mm-hmm. uh, to do one of those the right way. And then, assemble it all and you know the data and the, write the article and write a compelling article that people want to read that didn't end with everything won you know like that was a pet peeve of mine uh, i still hate that to this day if i read like a road and track or car and driver you know comparison test it's like well both of these cars are so great you can't go wrong with either one like no dude have a you know have a stance like have a take like what is which one in your opinion is better and why so that's what we did our best to do with our shootouts I think one of the best ones I ever saw, and I, I believe you did it or was involved in it, was the eight scale nitro buggy one. And I think it had the Jammin, yep. the Kyosho. I think it had the Thunder Tiger that Richard made. Mm-hmm. I think maybe I'm trying to think. Yes, because he had made it when it had the um, shocks going through the arms, I believe. Mm-hmm. The one- a couple of, I think the Jammin actually won it. Um, yeah. Overall, man, I, I must have read that article. Cause I was waiting for the jamman to come too. Mm-hmm. And I read that article so many times. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, I, I so miss magazines so much, man. Yeah, man. There's nothing like having like a, a, you know, a physical piece of material to read. Like I still buy paper books, but for RC stuff, I thought it was a lot of fun to figure out how to, you know, translate how cool an RC car is in person into pages, you know, like in pictures and in words. And um, we just wanted to have fun, you know, like that was really what I would tell anybody that that was working, you know, with me on these magazines. I, I would always say, if we're having fun, 
the readers can tell. And if we're not having fun, they're going to be able to tell that too. So we may as well have a really good time while we do this and figure out articles that we love, that we would want to read and that our friends would want to read. Um, and it wasn't always perfect by any means. And, you know, we got our fair share of, of, uh, you know, getting chewed out by manufacturers if they thought we didn't do things the right way. Such a, a niche industry, right? So. How did you used to take that type of criticism? Did you guys used to get in trouble a lot? <laughs> well, I got in a lot more trouble when I was at RC Car Magazine, High Torque RC Car Magazine, because we could basically say whatever we wanted. Um, okay. And that doesn't mean that we said stuff that wasn't true or that we just intentionally picked fights, but we would say things that weren't, you know, the most PC. If something fell apart, we would say it fell apart because that's what the test was for. Um, so yeah, I mean, I got I got my ass chewed a lot, um, and some of it was legit, and some of it was also just, you know, the the manufacturer like they needed to protect their brand, and if they didn't say anything, they wouldn't have felt good about it. But um, you know, I also understood that every person was trying to protect their livelihood and their living, and you know, we would never I. What I was getting at a second ago is RC is such a niche industry. It's very, very narrow and everyone knows everyone and supply chains all work with each other. And the last thing you want to do like as a magazine is like threaten a, a company's livelihood. You know, like I, don't, I would never want to put a business out of business or like ruin their sales for a particular product. So we always had to be cognizant of that. But there were times, man, when we would run cars and they would literally just fall apart or break every time. And um, we would either write about it or if it was just obvious the product just shouldn't be sold, we would send it back and give feedback to the manufacturer and be like, we, our opinion on this, don't, you shouldn't be selling it if you're going to sell it. Because a lot of stuff we would get before it was even ready to sell. So, yeah, man, I had my, my fair share of um, getting chewed out. But, you know, what are you going to do? Like, I, I would try and take everything I could from it and learn from it and then think, okay, how can we present this next time in a way that's still fair, but is taking, you know, the manufacturer's perspective into it that all the work they've done and did we do everything the right way? It was it's complicated. It's very complicated. What what did you do with cars, engines that you guys would use? Would you be able to keep them or did you have to send them back? Or what did what happened with that stuff? They would we would keep them in the office. I mean, our office was overflowing with RC stuff. I mean, it looked like this wall times a hundred. Um, but we would use them in the in the future, like for how tos. We would need, you know, a particular type of car to shoot a how to. We would probably have that car from testing it in the past. Motors, engines, I'd give them away, um, keep them for future use. But mainly, we just had, you know, a, a large collection of the product that was sent in because it was one of those things where, like, what's the manufacturer going to do with a product after we've used it? And if we've thoroughly tested it, like for real, they're not going to want it back. Mm -hmm. So we would keep it and we would try and recycle them as much as we could. I mean, like one time we did at RC car, my probably my favorite article we ever did was a, a long jump contest that had nothing to do with racing. Um, and the editors and I uh, agreed that we were going to give ourselves like a month to build whatever car we wanted that would jump the farthest possible. And our art, our art director, um, John Irwin, he built a, a skateboard ramp because he used to be into skateboarding. And we didn't talk about it at all. And then we also set up like a confessional booth where we would go and shoot video talking crap about each other and about how our cars are going to win and detailing our cars. And then we showed up in a parking lot and showed everybody what we brought. And then we went for it. And I, I built an E-Revo and I, I attached two model rocket engines to the back of it. And um, I mean, dude, that was so fun. Like just thinking back on that, 
that was like to me that was what rc was all about like the racing is so is a is great and it's fun but it's kind of limited but that stuff like that man like that was what we were laughing so hard because like jason you our our photographer showed up with a car that he had basically strapped like one of those um those white foam airplane wings to the top right and the minute he hit the ramp all everything just broke off it just shattered into a million pieces and we had video and everything i wish i still had that video and then my car i didn't think the engines were going to light so because i had like a third uh channel selector to to light the engines and it lit right at the last second it made my car wheelie and it wheelied up the ramp and it still went a good distance but when you know like model rockets when they deploy the parachute it's got like that little like blast um when the blast went off it blew the rubber off of the front tires and it, the, <laughs> so the car just looked like it exploded up in the air and it landed and you know flipped and everything and uh anyway man that i mean i'm, I'm getting excited just talking about it It was so much fun i i could i understand at pmb <clears throat> last year when i went they had a, like they had a, a long jump competition mm-hmm and I'll tell you what, man, it was very, it was a lot of fun. Our car, our, our rocket didn't like, unfortunately in our car, we had a big 40 size rocket. Mm-hmm. So we were expecting it to fly <laughs> <clears throat> and our Max was driving it and it didn't like, but it was a big crowd of people. It was a hit, man. And it was a good break from the racing through to, we were like, well, a bunch of kids, everybody was there. Like, it's like, like you said, it comes back to those days when you just cared about go, like going on the road as fast as you could, uh, fasten your body or right. jumping further than your body and yeah. um, your body. Yeah. Sometimes we have to get back to that too and enjoy that. I agree. I'm an RC enthusiast, so I like anything like that. Yeah, same. So, same. Yeah, that's funny. So you're working at Extreme. When did you, what, what made you leave and go to RC cars? Yeah, um, a job opportunity, you know, like promotion essentially. Um, Frank, Frank Macy was, uh, the head editor of RC car, high torque RC car at the time. And he, uh, resigned and moved back East with, you know, I think where his family was from. And that opened up a position for a head editor role. And I was an assistant editor, um, under Derek at extreme and had a great time there. I mean, that was a, a really fun office, um, you know, to work in, they did things, you know, a little, uh, they were super edgy too, right? Like they're probably the most edgy magazines. They had girls and, you know, all sorts of, you know, mm-hmm. jokes throughout the magazine. We had a lot of fun writing those. But when this opportunity came up um, to go to RC Car, I couldn't pass it up. I mean, it was a, <clears throat> it was mainly an opportunity to put my, you know, stamp on an entire magazine um, because I was going to be the head editor and I could hire editors and, you know, kind of like direct the content, which is really what I wanted to do. I knew I could do it. Um, so yeah, I went and interviewed and got the job and, um, you know, basically moved to Santa Clarita because that's where they're based. High Torque is still here. They have all, all sorts of other uh, action title magazines, you know, like motocross action and ATVs and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, so I, I took the job and came up and it was an adventure. <laughs> Um, having worked at extreme, you know, where they had kind of their processes more in place, um, RC car and high torque, uh, that's an older company and they were still kind of doing things, you know, that publishing companies were doing 10 and 20 years prior. Um, and uh, I, all this technical publishing, you know, terminology, I won't even get into it, but it was, it was a learning curve for me then too. I was like ready to hit the ground running, but 
you know, sharing a photo studio with motocross bikes and big motocross names coming in. And I'm, you know, down on the floor, like shooting RC cars, trying to explain, you know, why this is important. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Um, but I had a really good time there. And I stayed there for a, a long while. I want to say close to four years. Um, worked with Aaron Waldron, who ended up at Live RC. Um, some other controversial things. I like, I like Waldron's writing, though. Yeah, yeah. I like writing. Yeah, me too. I miss it. Yeah. I miss it. Yeah. Um, we, uh, he and I were the, the two primary editors, really. Um, and Jason Yu was a was still considered an editor, but he was mainly our, our primary photographer. Did amazing, amazing photography. But yeah, Aaron and I were, you know, thick as thieves then. And we would talk about RC all the time and about the magazine, how we can make it better. So... What? What was your vision for that magazine? What did you want to what did you want to implement that it didn't have? I wanted that magazine to be like the authority on like real RC, you know, like like you were saying when we were talking earlier, it's like some of the politics that goes into RC and, you know, the you have advertisers that are inside the the space, you know, like our advertisers are not in the RC magazine. They weren't G- General Motors or Rolex you know, or someone that's going to call me up and yell at me over a product review. It was the people that were providing the products. So I wanted that magazine to be as true as possible to like what a real RC guy would write if they had the opportunity to write the magazine. Um, and we got a lot of good feedback on that, you know, that our magazine was was straightforward. We told it like it is. I mean, that when I got my butt chewed sometimes from manufacturers, they would say, well, you know, you're telling it too much like it is. And I was like, I don't know that that's possible. How do you tell it like it is too much? Um, it just is what it is. Like if something broke, it broke. Or if something sucked, it sucked. And we would say it. Um, and we also, my other vision for it was that we were just going to have a whole ton of fun. Like we had a section in the magazine called Extra Picks. And it was just literally what the what the name said. It was a whole bunch of photos that we didn't use in articles, but like behind the scenes pictures or photos at races of like people talking to each other. And we would all gather around a computer and spend half a day coming up with ridiculous, you know, captions and quotes to put into the pictures. It was just a bunch of sarcasm and, you know, comedy. And we got so many comments on that good, you know, positive and negative. And if you're not getting negative comments, you're not doing something right usually because, you know, not everyone's going to love what you're doing. And if they do, it's probably going to be pretty plain and vanilla. And we did not want to be vanilla. Um, We wanted to be, as edgy as possible, but just still have a whole ton of fun. So it was a lot of work. The first year there was was tough, uh, just laying the groundwork. And then after that, it it really became a lot of fun. How did Aaron get involved? Because I remember he was trying to be a pro for the longest while. Mm-hmm. He was Aaron was really good. Mm-hmm. I remember his yellow. Yeah. Uh, he was really gas truck. Then he went to started racing nitro eight scale, <clears throat> pink and yellow. Uh, <clears throat> But then he kind of started leaning to the media side of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, did he, Was his first job at RC Cars? Yeah, it was. Um, I, I recruited him hard just from knowing him from the races, knowing him from going to the Nitro Challenge when it was back at Hemet, um, and just seeing him around Southern California. You know, that was the other thing about moving here was that, you know, it, when you're here, you're around so many opportunities that you're not going to be around anywhere else in the country to meet people, to network with them and to know them. So I knew Aaron was um, looking for a job like his driving. He didn't he wasn't going to be a career driver and he was never going to be, you know, uh, Ryan Cavallari or Jared Tebow. And he knew it and he was realistic about it. And um, 
we were talking about it off and on. And I finally was like, dude, you just need to come work over here. We're looking for an editor and I think you'd be good. You'd bring a lot of perspective to certain things. And um, that's really how it happened. I mean, the funny story there is that he actually accepted, I think, partially accepted or verbally accepted a job at Team Losi um, and was there for like a day and realized, I didn't realize maybe that I'd reached out to him or something and offered him a job. And then when he got the job at the magazine, he's like, hey, you know, I made a mistake. And they were super cool and let him go. Um, so I guess officially his first job was Team Losi for like 24 hours. <laughs> and what was he doing there? What's that? What was he doing at Losi? Um, I don't, I'm not really sure, to be honest. I mean, maybe I think he was going to be team manager for a little bit. Um, okay. Yeah, he wasn't going to be racing, but um, it didn't last long, whatever it was. And we brought him over and he did really well at the magazine. It was I always gave him a bunch of uh, hard time because like I love building cars. I love the, you know, the hobby aspect of this. And I would take cars home and build them at night, you know, off off the clock and everything else. And Aaron, like really never built a car like his dad did all of his, most of his wrenching. And when he came to the magazine, I assigned him an article and the article didn't come in. The article didn't come in. I was like checking on it. And finally I found out that he just didn't build the car because he was kind of like terrified to put the car together. I was like, dude, just build the car and like bring it in and we'll get it right. So he started building some of his first kits when ironically, when he was a magazine editor and not a racer. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, last year, I think, or maybe before that. Um, I was trying to get him here on the, on the podcast. Because yeah, he gets a, he gets a bad rap. Okay, obviously, like people are pissed off what what happened, what's done. Yeah, but I really enjoyed his his writing, his interviews. Yeah, I people would say, oh, I didn't like his voice on live RC, but I enjoyed it. Like it's not easy to call a race, but I enjoyed right. races. I enjoyed him interviewing people. He wasn't scared to get up in people's faces and mm -hmm. talk to them. And um, I agree. Yeah. He was like, he thought about it and he came, no, I'm not coming on the podcast. And um, I, I get that. I understand that. Yeah. <clears throat> but he did contribute a lot to the media side of RC. Absolutely. Yeah. He made a, he left his mark, I would say. <laughs> yeah. I like him. I, I don't have, I like this style. I, I miss it, to be honest. Oh, and um, Those were some of my favorite work days is when I was working with, with him and Jason and John over at the RC car just on a regular basis. That was just so much fun. Yeah. The the creativity was just off the charts and we were we were doing stuff that no other other magazines were doing. And we were able to reach, you know, like hundred thousand people every month. That was pretty cool. That was wow. like yeah, it was like the only format really at the time where you could do that outside of like RC tech. But then, you know, everyone has a voice there and you don't know whether they're qualified or not, at least with the magazine, like you've got to be qualified to become a you gotta know RC in order to become an RC car magazine editor. So it was fun to be able to put that out and get the feedback from the readers that they loved it and that they were enjoying it or that they laughed, you know, it's just, you know, we, we used to call it like internally just as a joke, we're, we want to make the best toilet reading material possible. <laughs> That's where most people was reading. I have a stack of magazines in my, in my magazine rack in the bathroom. Right. You brought up RC tech. Um, yep. RC tech was the, like back in the forum, when the forum days started, Askrid was where you went to get proper race information yep. and, and and get to talk to actual pros. I didn't even go on RC Tech back then. I do go on it now, once in a while. Mm -hmm. um, but like if you wanted to get real information and really tech tips and all that type of stuff, Starting Grid is where you went. That's what right. an awesome That's format. Right. 
Um, I miss it so much. Well, we have one big star and it's called Facebook now, but yeah. it's one big RC tech. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I love Facebook. Don't get me wrong. But uh, just the, the people, these, these guys nowadays just wouldn't understand <laughs> how funny and how awesome to us yeah. Start Grid was to actually like because honestly, I would have to wait for you guys magazines three months after a race to know who won that race. Right. And I could find out who won that race and get pictures on the on the starting grid. And it was so cool. Mm-hmm. And you was all very active under Chad Bradley, Saxton, Nagani. <clears throat> yep. To talk to these guys that I read about in the magazines and they would answer you and mm-hmm tech tips and all that stuff and then epic epic week long weeks long battles (laughs) you know and just oh my gosh oh yeah the s grid was unique it was like the first you know like ancient um message board system you know that was coded like back in the this type of stuff you had to use yeah yeah um but you also it it created like a barrier to entry too so not every you know, 12 year old that wanted to come and just talk trash, they couldn't figure out how to use the system. So it also kind of created an ecosystem of people that were serious about RC kind of unintentionally, right? Like I'm sure they wished that more people had used it. Uh, But at one point we had a ton of people on there. And like you were saying, all, all big name guys that were in it as a career. And yeah, I mean, I learned a lot being on that forum and also tried to help too. I mean, I wrote a post, on there about nitro engine break-in that somehow became on RC Tech and within Escrid called the best method. Yes. And I, um, I mean, yep. that blew me away. I had no idea that that was ever going to happen. And it's still, I laugh about it even to this day because if I had known that that was going to get so popular and like be spread everywhere, I, I would have spent more time writing the posts. <laughs> I was just yeah. like, there was a post that I wrote one day and um, it just took off. And I still get people mentioning that um, at the track. I remember that. Yeah. It was just a heat cycle method, basically. It just yeah. spelled out to where I guess people could understand it better. Um, oh my God. Yeah. Good time. <laughs> I actually, the, I did, I do, well, I did 15 episodes of the, for the RCGP. Mm-hmm. I'll start back up on that when we get, start the next season. Mm-hmm. And I, my, I called it the starting grid and it was because of that, yeah. because of the starting grid, that's like my, my tribute to that. And I was like, I was, you know, I almost called this podcast the starting grid, but really? uh, uh, yeah, we had a, a bunch of names. I just said, look, it's just going to be no name. Fuck it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> have a name. And, um, <clears throat> but yeah, the good times, great times, magazine days. How about um, traveling to races and stuff? Was you, how, how did that work out? Did you guys travel? Oh, you was in California. So a lot of races were happening in California. Yep. People have to rem- rem- also remember there was not a shit. Like there was not a bunch of races going on right. at this time. Right. It is now. So you had like Silver State, Gas Champs, DNC, yep. um, Nationals, mm-hmm. um, maybe a, a race like down in Florida on the East Coast that was big that would get you somewhere. And obviously there were there were still races popping up. Yeah. Did you guys travel to these races to cover them? Yeah. And if so, like how many people would go? Like what was a contingent that would go to one of these races? Like a Worlds. Like did you guys go to the Worlds yeah, to cover it? Yeah, absolutely. So, well, there's kind of two answers in that question. One would be like for a normal race, like a Nitro Challenge or Detroit, you know, when they had that big race in Detroit and they had the Kyosho race in St. Louis, I went to that. Um, 
a non-worlds would get one editor with the camera and a, a recording device, basically, and a notepad, you know. And back then, even, like, rolls and rolls of film. <laughs> I used to buy some of my, yeah, I mean, I used to buy, like, cargo shorts just so that I could fit, you know, 50 rolls of film in my cargo shorts because we'd be going through film so much before digital. You didn't even was taking a like I, I i can't even fathom using regular cameras now it's crazy it's crazy camera. man yeah we would get I, I, every I would get all those pictures back before digital in slide form and i'd have to put them on a light table and look at all of them go through every single picture i took in slide form on a light table just to figure out which ones might be good and then send that batch off to get them blown up and then choose those for the ones that would go into the magazine so it was it was pretty work intensive um, just to figure out what the pictures were. But then about, you know, that, that didn't last for too long. Thankfully, digitally, digital took over a couple of years after I started doing that. So we would send one person to a race, unless it was a Worlds. And then, yes, we covered a lot of Worlds. Um, the most memorable one being the one in North Carolina, um, that Hara one, the Sushi Hara, the off-road Worlds. Um, what made that memorable for you? Oh, a lot of stuff. I mean, it rained. Um, I mean, we were running around in mud half the time. Um, actually one of <laughs> another memorable thing that just popped into my mind, I wrote an article after that race where I re I did a review of the local waffle house, um, <laughs> and put that in RC car magazine, just kind of as a joke. And I got so much feedback on that because I like, a, yeah, a Charlotte waffle house. What's that? A, a waffle house in Charlotte. Yeah. Yeah. A waffle house in Charlotte. And, um, I reviewed like the hash browns and the, the, uh, the waffles as though it was like an RC product that did highs and lows and everything. And, uh, you know, it's just like stupid shit that was fun. And, um, yeah. and then just the, how good the racing was. Cause you know, like Tebow was running the O'Donnell car at the time and kind of struggling with that car, but still made the main. Yeah. Um, and Hara was just the man. And, um, Mike Truey was like, the, Oh, he was so fast. Yeah. He finished second and, uh, that was just an awesome battle. I mean, really, if, like having seen it in person, Hara dominated everybody, in my opinion. He slowed down a lot near the end of the race where it made it closer, where Mike finished second. Like, if you look at the times, Mike finished really close, but it wasn't that close because Hara was just putting around, saving his car and making sure he was going to win because um, he had that much of a lead. But, yeah, that trip was awesome. I mean, you know, it was like basically somebody's backyard, essentially, and uh, red dirt, you know, that clay, that southern red clay that you get. And um, really nice people, you know, southern hospitality and all that. We just had a good time. Aaron Waldron and I went to that and um, just had a great time covering it. And I, I had fun at all the races I went to, really. I mean, that it produced a whole lot of stories and, like, background stories on racers, too. You know, like destroying rental cars and oh, well, let's, all let's, the... Let's talk about that. What <laughs> stories from one of these races <laughs> you heard, like you saw it all yeah I, I saw a lot of it um one of my favorite stories i feel like i can tell some of them i probably can't tell but uh, one of my favorite stories i can tell was i went to uh, an on-road worlds in cincinnati they had this amazing on-road facility there they might still to this day i don't remember if it's still around and it was um like the first year that they were testing out the 200 millimeter touring car worlds so it was like a provisional series it wasn't like i mean they still awarded a world championship but long story short mark pavitas won that and he won that race um even though like i don't know five or ten minutes into an hour-long main the spring on his um on his controller broke 
so it wasn't recentering and he had to drive mm -hmm. the whole race with no spring on his uh, steering wheel which i just thought was amazing he's able to do that um but one of the funniest stories was that he was he had like a rental van out in the parking lot and he was truing tires you know because he had to true crap out of these foam tires to make them work like take three quarters of the tread off and um, he was truing tires in the engine bay of his rental van and he had trued so many tires that there was this huge mountain of foam inside of his engine bay and i was talking to him like hey mark you know i'm hungry like they don't have food on site let's go grab some lunch or something he's like cool so he goes over and he's like the engine you know uh, the engine compartments popped up and i see this gigantic pile of foam and he just like slams the the uh, the hood down and starts the car up and he's like all right let's go and he starts peeling out of this dirt parking lot and like bouncing it off the rev limiter and about i don't know 30 seconds later flames are erupting from the hood of the car because all that foam caught on fire and uh, <laughs> we, we had to jump out and just kind of like make sure that it didn't take the whole car down with it which it didn't thankfully but um i mean i didn't know if we were going to die if we were just going to sit there and laugh the whole time because until he stopped he's just bah, 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 bouncing off the rev limiter then woof. so that was kind of a crazy story that i remember really really well um a bunch of mark Cavitas. <laughs> uh rental car stories and i know that he'll probably give me a hard time if he hears this but you know i've seen him jump railroad tracks and it's just like you know what can you do to the rental car today that will <laughs> get as close to destroying it as possible without destroying it it was just you know i've been tempted to jump railroad tracks i just didn't think the van would handle it <laughs> well i've seen it handle it at least once or twice and then i've also oh, wow. seen another uh rental van um going through a drive-thru i think yeah, I mean, I think Adam Drake owns up to this. It was, I've heard this story yeah, before. Yeah, well, I was at that race, and um, they were, I think he was pushing somebody or, like, revving his, his engine and, like, dropping it into drive, and he basically dropped the axle out of the out of the vehicle right there in the rental uh, uh, fast food line, which, <laughs> how do you explain that? Um, <clears throat> hit the curb and broke the rear axle or something. Yep, yep, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, has a whole bunch of rental stories and all that stuff. Yeah. Greg has a whole plethora of stories. He doesn't forget anything. No, like, I know. I know. Anything. I know. Unless it involves him, then he probably forgets. <laughs> <laughs> but what, what was one of your most memorable moments at one of these races, covering one of these races? You said you talked about horror. Yeah. Uh, maybe that was one of them, but or it, but or better question. <clears throat> you've seen all these drivers drive you've seen all of them all of them race who in your opinion is probably one of the best drivers who is the best driver you've ever seen or considered considered to be one of the best drivers or the best and who is one of the drivers you think should have made it but kind of quit too early uh, the cost of making it okay yeah good question um, well, I'm going to, the best guy I've ever seen is someone that's probably not going to pop into the current group of RC racers minds, like people that are listening to this podcast necessarily, but I was lucky enough to see Masami Hirasaka race like four different times. And Masami was just, I mean, all, every story you read about how great he was is 100% true. It's just unbelievable what he could do with a car. Um, I, I was at a race in Florida one time. Uh, for an electric touring car race. And um, I think it was the Nationals. 
something like that, or one of those big, big, big races. And he was on rubber tires and there was this S section, like going right through the middle of the track. And it, like, you could not shoot it straight through. They, they had made the curves enough to where you actually had to turn. And Masami was holding first place and somebody came up behind him. And I mean, I was watching this from like 10 feet away and it just blew my mind. Um, the guy was trying to make a move to get around him through this section. He thought he was going to get him. And Masami going full race pace intentionally started fishtailing to make his car wider through the S section and just did it just to like mess with the guy. And the guy ended up wrecking, but he did it like three laps in a row. Was, he could hear the tire squealing. And then hmm. they were breaking traction and he had it just perfectly right on the edge where he could like fishtail it. And, um, and then he just went back to ripping off perfect laps and I've seen him run off road. And I mean, he just, he like, he knew that car inside and out and it was like an extension of him. It wasn't like, I don't know. It was just so natural for him to drive a car. And I've seen him drive, you know, the famous story of him driving with his feet. He did that at a lot of races just to show off. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, he's the best one I've ever seen. Um, and then a lot of current guys, you know, that are just unbelievable. I, I think the one that sticks out the most to me is Ryan Mayfield. The guy can drive anything. And when he is on, I don't know of anybody that can beat him. Like he's when he's on, he's on and you're not going to touch him. I what, what I've noticed about what I appreciate about Mayfield is his ability to come back from mistakes. Yep. Um, he'll make a mistake and then he'll just like post like just whoa how the hell did you make up that like yeah uh, no. that's absolutely true yeah he um i mean when he's driving truggy too there's i don't know of anybody that can do it like he does ty testman is probably a really close second i've watched ty a lot i i actually saw ty when he came to his first dirt nitro challenge in the mid 2000s i remember and he was you know obviously at the time he was like eight years old or something and even then everybody knew he was going to be special um his program is just so dialed in and buttoned up, you know, him and his dad and his mom. Um, it's tough to beat him when he's on too, because he's not going to make a stupid mistake or like have his car fall apart. They're just so smart with how they wrench on their vehicles and the things that they do. It's just next level. You know, it's like super next level. It's not that he can, a lot of people in RC love to say, Oh, you know, they, they're so good. They could drive the wheels off of a, a Kleenex box. They could win, you know, driving a cardboard box. You know, at that level, that's not true, man. You've got to be really, really good just to make the main. But for some of these guys like a Mayfield who has multiple Truggy championships, a Testman who has multiple national championships, that's not an accident, right? Like, you, you don't just accidentally win three Nats in a row. You know, like Adam Drake at one point won a bunch of buggy Nats in a row. That's because he practices more than anybody. He's got an amazing program. He wrenches. He knows how to wrench. Like, all that stuff just comes from hard work. So it reminds me. He's getting faster. I don't. I know. I know. He unfinished seventh at the DNC, and he was like, he was up to like in the top five, and almost up to I think in third at DNC. Yep. And he's like, he just doesn't get tired of RC. Like I'm just like, I know. I'm like, uh, you make me tired. You get <laughs> much like. Um, yeah. But yeah. He's at the track, and you cannot. His work ethic and his dedication to that that of RC is absolutely uh it's it's mind blowing. It's mind blowing. Yep. And he'll say, like, you know what is it? There's my saying hard work beats talent and talent doesn't work hard. Yeah, so, that's right. Yeah. You know? Well, you mentioned Mayfield and how he makes the most out of um, you know, like he can come back from being behind. I think that that really is the mark of a, a like a true champion. Like 
you know, mm -hmm. anybody can win, I guess, at that level when everything's going right. But like who wins when stuff's not going right? Right. Like mm -hmm. who, who wins when they have a bad start? And that's that talent level to me that, you know, even for me, I watch those guys and then I want to come back to Hot Rods right away or to Revelation and like try and implement what I've seen those guys do. And um, I think it's a mindset too. Yeah, it is. Uh, I talked about this on my rant uh, two weeks ago. Um, and it is a mindset. That's what I think these guys can put themselves in that zone where I got to do this. Like, and nothing's going to stop them. Yeah. And they have the ability, obviously, they have the ability to do that too. But they don't let every divert, like, you know, like Mayfield at DNC this year, he had to have a good third last run in his buggy or he's going to be in the B man. He did not want that to happen. And he willed that to call. I think like Ronald kind of knew and let him go. I mean, that's why Barufalo made him so nervous. Barufalo is behind him, like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I Barufalo. I, I love him to death. Uh. <laughs> um, that's why I keep him up. But he defended, he got his, he got what he needed to, to make it to the A man. Yeah. And um, it's, it's impressive what these guys can do. Mm -hmm. I think these, I like, I think these guys, if they didn't race RC cars, I think, I want to say if they was to do something else, they would still be as good. Mm -hmm. If, you know what I mean? They just possess that talent yeah. to do things and that ability to do things. You know, well, it's, it's, a, it's a mind. It's a drive. Yeah, it's a drive yeah. and a mindset. It's, it's a growth mentality. It's wanting to be better the next time than you were the time before. You know, that that's really what I think one of the reasons what little success I've had on RC, you know, in like the old guy class is um, a result of my mental preparation from playing baseball. You know, like you've got to want it. You've got to be able to put the time in. You know, I've, there's all sorts of sayings about it. You know, the races are won on the bench and not on the track because you've got to be able to prep your car for nitro, but you still have to be able to drive. Um but yeah, I 100% agree with that. The guys that are the best are the best for a reason. And again, it's not an accident that the same group makes the A main in the pro races. You know, virtually every time, it's because those guys are dedicated. They've got skill, but I've seen it in person. I see them come off the track, really analyze their car. You know, if you have a totally shit run, you know, like in a qualifier, and then come back and TQ because they knew what to do. They practiced enough. They know their car. Which is what makes it hard too when guys get new cars you know like and go to a race they're probably not going to do all that well because they don't know the car inside and out yet um mm -hmm. but yeah it's fun to watch and it's 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 inspiring in in a way that you know i love racing because of the adrenaline it provides it, it takes me back to my baseball days when i used to be a closer you know there's i had a great battle at uh jbrl nitro finals you talked about Degani and barry baker i was racing against both of those guys in the 40 plus class and i beat them um, and that's probably the biggest, well, it is the biggest, you know, race win I've ever had, I guess, if you want to say that. I, I don't claim to be anybody at all. And, you know, I've, I'm not even a, a has been, I'm, I'm a never was, <laughs> but um, I do feel like I'm getting better e each time out. And that's what challenges me. I, I love going to the track and just trying to beat myself, like beat my lap times and get better and like have my car run better the next time. So that's the, the side of RC that I love. Yeah, that's um, you're you seem to be enjoying it, and that's good yeah. too, because well, you have to enjoy it. Yeah, you have to. That's part. That's like I was telling you before. Right now, I'm not doing RC stuff. I'm trying to get involved in it mm -hmm. and do more there, but it's kind of difficult. Mm -hmm. uh, like the next time I come to America, I'm definitely going to <clears> race <throat> something and um, just have fun doing yeah. doing some RC stuff. Yeah, 
I want to get one of these no prep drag cars up. I got a bunch of guys that are interested in that hair too. So I just got to build mine. So back to you, because you, you didn't finish at RC cars. You did four years at RC cars. Mm-hmm. Then you went back to RC car. Action, yeah. Right. Yep. So what promoted, what, what did RC cars just cease to exist or was you just, yeah, for, you know, for the most part, yes. Like I, I mean, just being really candid, like I had reached a point where I felt like I took that magazine as far as I could possibly take it, given kind of the, the, the set of rules that I had within high torque. Um, I had a great time there and I had a bunch of coworkers that I loved being around, but that magazine was not like the, the gem of the collection, right? Like, you know, motocross action and BMX and ATVs and mountain bikes and road bikes. Like we had magazines for all that. Those were the, you know, the gems of the collection. And I reached a point where I was like, man, I, okay, we've done a lot of really cool stuff. Um, but I want to be the best. I want to be wherever the best is. And I could just, I could feel that at RC car, we were reaching a lull or we were going to reach a point potentially too, where maybe the magazine just wasn't going to be around anymore. I just, I didn't want to be there for that. It would break my heart because we put so much blood, sweat and tears into it. So, um, yeah, I mean, I reached out and talked with, uh, the owners at car action and got back there, um, remotely, you know, still working here from California and they needed someone in California. They didn't have anybody in California at the time, really. Cause Jason Sams had gone to work for aiming and Jason was like their California guy. And um, he does all the videos, or not all, but he does like quite a few of the product videos and stuff at A-Main. Um, <clears throat> so that took me back there. And I was there for about a year and a half, about a year, year and a half. Um, and then I had a huge health scare, <laughs> to, put it mild, mm. to put it mildly. Um, I don't know if you want to go into that or not, if you want me to. Sure, man. It's a it's an awesome story. Okay. Talk about yeah, it. sure. So, um yeah, right in the middle of kind of getting ramped up with air age and car action again. Um, I had a, a sharp pain in my hip and to make a long story short, I got diagnosed with leukemia, which is a blood cancer. Um, and it rocked my world. It flipped everything upside down. Right. I mean, I had to stop racing. I had to stop doing everything. I was in the hospital for months um, after my diagnosis. This was 2012. And um, I was told that I did not have a very good chance of survival, just to be really honest. And I made it through chemo, like multiple rounds of chemo. I lost all sorts of weight. I couldn't even walk at one point. And then they told me I had to have a bone marrow transplant, which basically in easy to understand terms, they completely wipe your immune system out, which is stored in your bone marrow. So like all of your allergy resistance, any kind of immunizations you've ever received, those that's all that information stored in your bone marrow. They wipe that out with radiation chemo, and then you get a donor stem cells that rebuilds your immune system. But they have to find somebody that's going to match your DNA type, which is really hard. So I, like on all my bodies, I'm looking for one maybe that I've got. Um, I run uh, Be The Match decals because Be The Match is the, the program that you can sign up for to be a donor. And they put your DNA into the system. And if they find a patient in need, you can potentially save somebody's life just with a stem cell donation. So, um, fortunately they found someone in Germany who I'm now friends with. Um, they found a guy in Germany who was willing to donate. It was a perfect match. They took his stem cells out. They flew it over overnight to me and they basically put it into an IV for me. And over the next like month and a half, I did, I was at city of hope for almost two months in a hospital room 
my immune system rebuilt itself. And that's what got me out of RC because I couldn't work. Um, and basically I didn't have a job when I was fully recovered. So I, you know, I could feel that print magazines were starting to kind of go away at that time. And I'd kind of run the course of, you know, I felt like I'd done what I wanted to do. So I looked around locally and there's a, there was this huge company that was, um, hiring, um, and I applied with them. It's a digital marketing company. And now I get to work with, uh, franchise owners like, you know, Mr. Reuter plumbing and, you know, these big national brands. Um, I work directly with them and I've got a team of like 18 people on my team that I manage and it's just awesome. So it allows me to do RC essentially for fun and, uh, without any kind of, you know, ties, but yeah, man, that was scary as hell. And it's one of those things too, where like, I'm, I'm a lot more easygoing, I think now, because once you've been through something like that, you know, the little stuff just doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> wow, man. That's a, that's amazing story. Um, oh, hey, triumphant. So you've, what was, when was this? 2000 and 2012, 2012. And I got my uh, transplant in 2013. Um, and again, it's be org, which is the, be the match. yeah. Remember that buddy. I'm going to, yeah. All you, I'll, that in this written description when I launch this podcast. Awesome. I appreciate that. All anybody has to do is do a mouth swab. They'll send you a mouth swab kit. You send it in. If you're a match or a preliminary match with someone, it's all free. You know, you're the one saving the other person's life. Um, and not to you know belabor this point too much because I know we want to talk about RC, but since since I go, going through what I went through, a ton of my friends have signed up, and I'm really excited to say that. I think four people now have matched and saved other people's lives as a result of them signing up just from knowing what I went through. So it's wow. really, yeah, it feels good to just like pay it forward, you know, and like pass that good fortune along because there was a point, man, where, I mean, there were a few times when in the hospital, my doctor later on said, you were almost gone. So I feel, I feel lucky to be here and that's, you know, I, I do RC for fun and have a good time with it. I've got a family and I'm, I'm fortunate just to be alive. <laughs> Wow, that's amazing, yeah. man! I'm glad you're alive. Yeah, be, thank you. So glad you're alive. Yeah, because you have an awesome story, and you've contributed a lot to the RC community. And um, yeah, you have a family and all that type of stuff. Yeah. So. Wow, amazing! I how long did it take you to fully recover from all of from? That? Well, you know, it's like <clears throat> there's never really full recovery. It's like a new normal. Um, but I, I got to that point at about a year and a half, almost two years. Um. It was tough just because, you know, you've got to wait for everything to come back. Like, you know, all your childhood immunizations, those are gone when they wipe out your old bone marrow. So I had to get re-immunized all of my childhood immunizations. And that took a while, you know, just to spread that out. And with all this COVID crap going on, I've got to be super careful because my immune system is not what it should be for like a 40-year-old man. My immune system's a seven-year-old, you know, child's immune system because I'm seven months, you know, out of my transplant. Um, so it's just, you know, it's different. Um, but I don't feel all that different, you know, like I, I, I came out of it with very few side effects. And one of the side effects, funny speaking of RC is that <clears throat> all the radiation they gave me, gave me cataracts and mm. for about, I got a uh, cataract surgery and got new lenses put in my eyes, um, last year. And since then, my racing has gotten so much better because I can actually see the freaking car. Oh, wow. <laughs> I can, like oh, I can wow. see the car, you know, like I'm thinking about like a revelation. They have this back right corner. That's really dark. That's not lit. Well, I remember before my surgery, like I, my car, who knows what the hell is going to do. And now I can actually see it. So, um, I feel like I got an advantage 
you know, by getting. Oh, you're cheating. Yeah, new, <laughs> exactly. I got high definition lenses in my eyes now. Sweet. So, well, congratulations, man. That's an awesome battle. Um, thanks. You know, life is life is funny, man. We don't know which direction it's going to take us. I mean, my life has been my life through an accident has changed completely, mm-hmm. you know, from what it was 15 years ago. And I wouldn't change that for the world. Yeah. Uh, so sometimes you just got to go with the flow and, and and just ride the wave until you until you get where you, and I'm still not where I want to be. So yeah. awesome job. Thank you, man. Uh, when did you how long did it take you to get back into RC? Dude, uh, right around that time when I was starting to work, look for work, I was, I started going back over to Hot Rods. And um, I remember the first time I went over there, like it was yesterday, like I, I was really walking gingerly. I couldn't walk up this hill. There's like a hill to go up and go to the hobby shop. I couldn't even walk up that. It would just make me exhausted. But I started going about a year and a half, two years after everything happened. And um, shout out to... Uh, Adam Drake, I just want to mention this because I thought it was super cool. He sent me a, a Losi um, 8 kit while I was in the hospital for me to build just to kind of keep my time. And nice. that meant the world to me. And um, there's a, a kid going through something similar to what I'm going through right now. Um, mm-hmm. And because of what Adam did, it made me think to do the same thing for this kid. So I sent this. I don't I, mean, I don't know if we want to share his name or not because I don't know how public he is with everything. But um it's a guy, it's a kid that races in Vegas. I sent him a, a Mugen MBX8 Worlds car. Um, okay, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. He's, uh, he, he's got a GoFund for yep. him. Uh, yep. Right? yep. Super cool kid, really quiet, but just a nice guy. Yeah. Oh, he's one of the best term marshals ever. That's right. That's right. Uh, yeah. I, I posted it up on my Facebook page that they do have a GoFund for a buddy. Yeah. Um, I wasn't sure what he was going through, but I knew it was something. So. Yeah. If you guys can go, I'll, I'll post it again. Uh, actually, I'll post it. I'll post it after I finish talking yeah. to you. But yeah, awesome. go find me for a buddy and um, check him out and send him some money. I might have to do a, I might have to do a toe of Satan challenge for him. <laughs> raise some money for him. Yeah, like a good kid, so full of energy. Yeah. He loves RC. Yeah, loves Kara Marshlin. Yep, and that's a good gesture, man. Pay it forward, man. That's Pay right. it forward. That's, that's right. So that was good. Stuff, yeah. He's man. got the cars built. He's just kind of in recovery mode. Like I was, and you know, I'm keeping up with them on Facebook, talking to his dad and just kind of giving them encouragement, letting them know what I went through. Um, mm-hmm. It's not an easy road, you know, but you can get through it. And um, I, I can't wait to see him out at the track because he runs Truggy also. And I like running Truggy. Oh, I know. And um, yeah, we had some good. He won at um, Silver State last year. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I was about to say, whenever yeah. I've raced with him, we always have battles. Like he's fast and yeah. Um, yeah, just a you know good family, good kid. Just want to see somebody like that have you know some inspiration and and something to look forward to. So that's why I wanted him to have that car. And um, awesome, yeah, it's exciting. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. Period. Period. So, and if you know what, if he can give him a car kit, we can go on GoFundMe and send him some money. Yeah, yeah, it goes that's, goes a long way because those man, yeah. I'll tell you from experience, those medical bills they just never stop coming. And, um, you know, there was a period where my wife and I were like, you know, we're not going to have any money left, but I, you know, I'll be alive. So there's, there's that. Um, but we've had to rebuild from that too. So I know that anybody that goes through something like that, even no matter how quiet they are about it, it's always going to be like a financial hit. So the, the RC community is a good community. Like when I was sick, everybody at hot rods got together and, and printed out this huge banner and signed it and was like, good luck. And, you know, hope you, you know, 
hope to see you back soon. And I remember when I saw that the first time, I just like started sobbing. It was super cool. And um, we've got a bunch of really good guys in RC. So we do, you know, we I, I complain a lot or I try to point out some, you know, we can be, sometimes we can be stuck up assholes. Of too. course, yeah. Uh, but honestly, man, I have met so many good people through in RC. I've had so many opportunities come my way, non-RC from people that I've met through RC. And yep. I think this is what makes me so passionate about mm-hmm. it is because man, I love it. And it's the one thing that I have in common with some guy that some that, that no other stranger has. You know what I right. mean? And that makes us special. That's right. And um yeah, you, I think the I remember when I got in my accident <clears throat> back in oh, 2005, um a lot of guys reached out to me from the starting grid and um you know called me or sent me messages mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So we do, as much as I, I say something, you know, I, I do bit piss and moan about it sometimes. I believe we have a great community. And when, when things go and we come together and help each other out, <clears throat> no matter what, or we, you know, like it's just, a, it's such a small family. It is. Like really, it is. World. It is. So when something happens to somebody, we kind of all, all kind of feel it. So one of my, yeah, one of my really closest friends um, that used to write for RC car magazine, Darren Johnson, he did the, vintage column and so he would review a vintage car in every issue um he had an accident and i mean he he talks publicly about it so i'm not giving anything away but he had um an accident that nearly took him out like took it almost took his life and he's been on recovery from that too and we talk a lot you know it's about resilience and um you know how hard it is to come back from something like that the mental side of it um, the guilt that you feel sometimes, like for me, I have survivor's guilt. Sometimes I went through treatment with people who didn't make it. And then it makes you wonder like, well, why did I make it? And, um, that's not a good place to be, but it's just part of life. And, you know, Darren's another guy that inspires me because he has come back from practically being gone, uh, a, a bike accident and he's firing up all of his vintage stuff again. Now he's going to have a Facebook page and like a YouTube series and, we, when we talk about RC, it always gets back to the same thing you were just talking about. You know, it's like there's a commonality there that you can't have with anybody else that doesn't understand RC. And the vintage stuff especially I think is super cool because when you asked me earlier about what was my first car, I didn't just think about that car. I thought about the Christmas that that happened. I thought about all the good times I had running that car. I was just reminiscing, right? And that's what vintage really is all about. It's like thinking about on the good times and the old times, you know, when um, you were just – in a different stage of life, but having fun. And those cars still represent that. So I'm excited to see that, you know, fire back up to that vintage uh, column with Darren on Facebook. Yeah. Big. Lots of people doing that. It's um, huge. Yeah. Vintage is my gas trucks that I have. Yeah. <clears throat> That's my one thing from vintage that I, that I like. I would like to get like an old MBX five, mm-hmm. an old jamming. Yeah. Well, X fives. I, no, I really want one of the, um, super athletes oh yeah yeah because i was always a always a mugen guy yeah that's a killer car yeah Yeah, just i like that old stuff man that's why i like that vintage gi joe stuff (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah man bikes do it too i've been uh that's how i got on my accident tim smith bike accident same way so careful when there's two wheels especially in california people people just drive riding down in you know yeah yeah, I always gotta. I mean, watch out for bikes when I'm in California. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. So, just remember, go find me for buddy. 
if you guys can help him out, I think I'm gonna have to plan something. See if I can bring some help, bring some attention to that. Yeah, go for me. I I like doing crazy challenges to help raise money. Yeah. I haven't done one for a while, so I think it's time to do one. Awesome. Um, decline of magazines. Mm-hmm. When did that? I think that really started um, when the iPhone was released, to be honest. Like, it, it was obvious that the digital age was taking over. And, it, I mean, really, I mean, for RC magazines, it did. It started long before that, I would assume. Print publishing, the economics of print publishing just were starting to not make sense anymore. How expensive paper was, how expensive it was to get the issue printed, the expense of the distribution to get it into people's hands versus making something on the internet that everyone can see and you haven't spent a penny other than to produce whatever the content was. So I remember I got the first iPhone and I remember playing around with it and thinking like, this is going to be the next, you know, print magazine type of format, but who knew it was going to get as big as it was, right? I mean, everybody and their mom has a smartphone now, but um, RC magazine decline, in my opinion, started essentially with the first Apple iPhone. If not, if not even earlier than that, but you know, mid two thousands, um, people want to consume media, whatever the latest, coolest way, easiest way is. And you know, as a print publisher, you can't force someone to read a magazine. Um, and the digital versions just aren't the same. Like you know, you mentioned this earlier too. There's nothing like having, you know, a physical copy to flip through and you know to dog ear pages and to circle you know when i got that high rider corvette as my first car i had a car action magazine back then and i circled that high rider corvette and like the tower had hobbies ad until like the pen went through like three pages you know it's like yeah this is what i want and um you you can't do that with a digital product but um i I feel like that was when that started going downhill uh yeah man i i i was actually trying to read a a comic the other day graphic novel Mm -hmm. on my phone and I was like, I would just rather have this in print form. Yeah. And I could probably, I should probably order. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just, it's, it's, that's a big thing, man. I mean, like we talked earlier, the company spent a lot of money on that. And then, you know, then we got these iPhones and then websites started to take off. And you, you actually wrote, I think you've written for pretty much, I think you wrote for, wrote for Neobuddy and you wrote for Live RC. Uh-huh. Um, you don't do anything anymore, right? No, I'm by choice. I mean, I've had some people reach out and ask if I was interested and I've got a full time, a full plate, you know, I've got a four year old daughter. Um, I have a almost two year old. (laughs) Right. They're, they keep me busy. And then I've got a very demanding job. And then on top of that, I try and be competitive with racing. So I just don't, I don't have the time that I would want to dedicate to really do it right. I might at some point, I would love to get back into it if the, situation was right but yeah writing for neo buggy was fun because it was just strictly racing stuff and i wrote a a race review or race report basically of the nitro challenge one year that got a lot of really good traffic and i wrote like basically a blog i need to forward it to you um yeah where yeah i was like doing like a day by day update and an hour by hour update and it was like basically the the premise behind the article was like man rc is the best thing ever like my car is ready to go i've got it all prepped it's perfect like the suspension feels perfect and then, you know, I have like a timestamp. Then like two hours later, I'm writing. I'm like, I hate RC. This is the dumbest fucking thing ever. Fuck this car. I'm going to throw it in the trash. My run was shit. I got taken out. This is the worst thing ever. And then this is the emotion that we go It through. is. It is. And then like that went back and forth a couple of times. 
And I was like, you know, I'm, I'm like pressing on my suspension 400 times. It feels perfect. All right, I'm ready to go. And uh, yeah, that, I think see guy does. That that. They do, oh they God. do, man. So oh, it's so great. <laughs> oh no, that's so, feels so good. Oh no, let me go. right. No, this better than it did five minutes ago. Right. I love it. So that was uh, fun. Vlog, but then now, now even the websites are dying. I mean, Neobuggy is pretty. It was Neobuggy would change the game. It was so good when it came sure out. Did. Um, Phil's, I'm, you know, well, I, I don't want to spread Phil's business, but Phil doesn't have to run Neo right. Buggy. Right. He never had. Yeah. He did that out, out of the because he of his interest. Yeah. Um, that's another person I've been trying to get on this podcast too. Oh yeah. Um, but for people that don't know, Phil's, I think, is in the Caribbean somewhere, just running his hotel or whatever, yep. or maybe back in England. But he did a lot, like Neo Buggy did a lot, and I miss the old um, track walk pit walks that he oh, yeah. do and just you know, we'll go to an event they just changed the game and we i think we're desperately missing that i've i want to do stuff like that when i go to races but i need people to i need like someone to help me do it i can't really do it on my yeah. own no he changed um rc would not be what it is right now without neo buggy and oh man but but now when i go to the website it's just it's just not nowhere near the same right. as it used to be live rc it's a it's it's okay um, I liked when Waldron wrote articles there. I, Tyler Hooks is, is writing articles and stuff like that. I wish they, I think like, I like, I enjoyed your articles too. I'd like to see them get some more writers in mm-hmm. there and, um, do some more writing, do some more vlogs and stuff like that. But I mean, if websites are kind of becoming not obsolete, yes, you still need websites, but man, you got Facebook, you got Instagram, you got TikTok, you got Twitter, yep. you got all these free platforms. Yep. And then, you know, YouTube, obviously YouTube is so big now. And yep. <clears throat> then even what I'm doing here with, with audio, with podcasting and stuff like that, that's growing, growing substantially. Sure is. It, it's just, um, you know, magazines are gone. I miss them. Websites are gone. Go, not going. I barely go to any websites nowadays. You know what I yeah. mean? I do, but I don't. Not like I used to. Same here. If I- and I don't know. I, I was gonna say, if I want to find something like a setup or see a discussion on a product, you know, the the Facebook forums and Instagram, like that's where it's at now. And um, you know, it's it like I do marketing now. Like marketing at the core is like the right message to the right person at the right time. Like you can't, if you don't have all three of those, then you're not doing the right thing. And I think that that's where you know magazines died because it wasn't. Um, you know, really being delivered in the right way that people wanted to to read it. And RC is also a lot smaller than a lot of people, a lot of people think. That was something that I'd kind of written down just as a thought for us to discuss. And I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but. You know what, Joseph and I have this argument all the time. Yeah. He thinks, <clears throat> he thinks it's like 50,000 people that race eight, eight scale cars around the world. I don't even think it's 10,000. No, I don't either. I think it's much smaller than that. No, man, it's not. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. I, um, I love the, the kind of your, the phrase of this podcast, you know, which is like nitros, the glory electrics, the pays the bills, right. Or brushless pays the bills. What was it? E-buggy, E-buggy pays, pays the, bills. the bills. I have my own take on that. Um, and it's basically, I had to write it down. It's like racing is the glory, but bashers pay the bills. For my- well, that's true. Most definitely true. And trailer yeah. and all that yeah. stuff. Um, that is the big genre of RC and there's no prep RC drag racing is blowing up now too, but not as big as trail trail and scale, yep. which I absolutely 
absolutely fucking love. And um, I think it's awesome. I think it's badass. So why do you think that's so popular? Because I've got a very strong take on why that is. I think it's just, it looks real and it's easy to yep. do. It's, it's what we do is, I, I think, I, I've, this is my theory on what we do. RC racing, everybody thinks it should be easier than it is, right? And you think because you can go out and drive up and down the road or drive around a parking lot or a, 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 ball, a, a field with no obstacles <clears throat> that you are badass at driving RC cars, right? Yeah. Then you put yourself between 15 feet with pipes and obstacles and jumps and other people and you go around and you can't even do a lap without being term marshal 20,000 right. times quickly are put in your place. Yeah. I'm not as good as I think I am. Mm -hmm. And that discourages a lot 100%. of people. Yep. Now this trail stuff, the trails all about, it's all about looking cool, making that car look as real as possible right. and going out there and having fun. They call like having fun with this. Mm -hmm. I, I, I love that. Like I've got my three, I've got an S, I've got an Axial, i got a Traxxas, and i got a RC four-wheel yep. drive right there on my yep. wall. And I, I haven't been out with them in a long time. I need to go out and go have some fun. Yeah. They look real. I enjoy it. I still, still am a racer at heart. I still love, don't, I still love to get the adrenaline from racing and all that type of Same. stuff. But it's just, it's just, it's just, this is the genre that, that this is what, I, I tease Joseph all the time. I'm like, man, we need to make a trail truck. Let's make a trail truck. Seriously. I'm not a trail truck. You know, because he's he's a racer. He's talked about this on not this podcast, but the last podcast. <clears throat> he's just he doesn't get into that stuff. Yeah. He, he's into race. It's like, yeah, well, I'm into everything. Mm -hmm. And I like this and I like that and I like that. Racing's what I like the most. But yeah, I just think it looks real. Yeah. I think I, I saw you make a comment the other day about what we raised these space bubble cars, right? <laughs> yep. And, I've heard, and I'm like, yeah, I, I get that, but this is what it is. But that's where, like, I keep saying, like, short course came in and it looked real yep. and it was fun to do and you could rub. And, and that's, we killed that. The industry killed yep. that. And what I mean by killed that is that we took something that was simple and made it where you needed to have this high flow body and you needed to have special tires you need to have this super upgraded short course just to be competitive amen amen uh the companies fuck they've just raped it and yeah. made their money off it and it's dead yeah. now so i and that's fun. what what are we going to do now to get people in um i see mini z's making a comeback mm -hmm. it's 200 dollars for a car taller tires cost five bucks the cars look real. You can put a, I can put a mini Z track right here in my office right yep. here. And I, I was my buddy, my buddy, Nick stretch. And, um, you know, who's doing the Mark Santa Maria. He goes, they're racing them now and all this type yep. of stuff. And I've been following them on uh, Mark on YouTube. And my buddy Nick's been telling me about them. I'm like, I want a mini Z. I think it can help people get into RC, yep. get into bit. Cause it is racing. Sure. It is racing. So you will learn how to yep. race, but for way cheaper than what it would be to and like the tire game in off-road is like it's it's just it's stupid insane. like back it was crime fighters yeah. you ran crime fighters yep. you ran crime fighters you then you put on a new one new set for your for your main yep. and that became your practice and qualified tires for the next that's right but now we have these super high bike tracks which i get it it's all about evolution mm -hmm. 
super high bike tracks where cars don't get dirty and, and the cars, the tracks are supposed no bumps and no jumps. But then that comes at a cost. Yeah. Tire with tire, cost of tires. Do you know who's smiling? The tire companies because they're making money. Yeah. Selling all these different compounds, having a million different compounds. Yeah. And I can't like that's just what how the game has evolved. But man, <clears throat> I don't know. Like I and also I think I still think that people don't know what we do. Right. And we haven't that okay, I don't know how you feel about RCGP, but I, I always I don't know people you always get on your RCGP, of course, because I'm I'm a I'm a part mm-hmm. of it. But we have professional RC car racers. We've had them for a long time, but we're not truly they're not truly professional. Mm-hmm. In like not like athletes, like I think one who I can say one who I think treats this truly professionally is Ronafa. Yep. He gets he he knows what he wants to do. Um, in fact, if you go listen to my latest podcast that I released, I had the um, Matt one who did mm-hmm. the who did all the filming and editing for the docu series for RCGP, and he even talks about like the the stuff that he had to overcome with the drivers not being used to having cameras in their faces and stuff like right. that. And, you know, all this type of stuff. And so, yeah, there's my rant. Like we have professional racers who don't do that. We don't have a professional series. We don't have, we don't, we don't market this in a way so people can be interested in it at all. Because I mean, let's be real, coming and watching us qualify. Nobody has a clue what we're doing. It doesn't, we know we're RC nerds. We're excited about it. But the average person like, like, what the hell's going on? Right. It's lots of things, but I think we need to hit this from all these angles, like we need to figure out how we get these scale guys to come over a little bit and start dabbling with us. Yep. Maybe we need a, a, a realistic um, rally, like a rally. We talk about it a lot too, a rally style looking mm-hmm. type where scale is awarded. You know, your car has got to look scale right. and stuff like that. But I, I don't know. I agree with you 100%. I mean, again, I've had a unique perspective being in the magazine side of things, knowing what articles worked well you know, when subscriptions went up, when they went down, like what feedback we got, it was always about the thing that gets people into RC 99% of the time is the fact that they look like a real car. So like, to your point, I know that like Kyosho's number one selling RC product by a, by a mile is the mini Z like by a mile. Like that's where all of their the bulk of their sales come from. Obviously they have really awesome. I'll run Kyosho stuff myself, but then you look at like a company like Tamiya, whereas Tamiya is, I think the biggest RC uh, manufacturer in the entire industry, or at least it was when I was in the industry. And that's because they make scale modeling kits that aren't even RC. They make realistic looking cars, uh, you know, because people want to have a car like their dream car. Okay. I can't own a Ferrari, but I can own a mini Z Ferrari. I can't have a Lamborghini, but I could have a Tamiya Lamborghini, right? And to me, I've been watching all this drag racing stuff take off. There's a guy locally here at Hot Rods that races off-road who is also building drag cars, and he's just all pumped about it. And he brought a, his drag car over, and dude, I was captivated because it was like this old 60s Hemi Cuda body, and it looked it yeah. looked like a real drag car. Like, yeah. okay, I'm in on that because now... Like you, I, I I do say that a lot, but we're not racing alien spaceships. We're racing like a classic, you know, fifties or sixties hot rod that looks cool as hell. Um, crawling, same reason, like you said, they're super scale. They look like real cars. 
real trucks. They have, I mean, all the accessories you can put on the top. And uh, Slash Class, man, even at Hot Rod, Slash Class at one point was the biggest class when it was box stock only. You couldn't modify it at all. And um, the, I guess my rant, the thing that I would say that I've been saying for years, I used to put this in the magazines too, is that racers need to be protected from themselves because they tend to ruin the class. If, if left to their own device, the class will get ruined because every and not really through anybody's fault, but like everyone wants to go faster. I'm going to use softer tires. I'm going to put ceramic bearings in that cost $150. I'm going to buy $170 motor with three quarters of the can machined away. You know, like that's intimidating as hell. Like the best thing I think that we could do to get more people in is just to like drop the pers- like the the attitude of like I'm driving a $2,000 car. Exactly. I, I, dude, I just cringe when when new people come by like hot rods or something. And it, again, no one's doing it intentionally, but they're like, oh, cool. How much does it cost to get into this? And they're like, well, this is easily 2,500 bucks. And you just see their no, they eyes. They're like, oh, shit. Oh, I, it, it's intentional ugh. because it's RC bubble where I feel great because I just spent $5,000 on a race. I don't agree with that at all. And I know you don't either. I just, you know, when someone asks yeah. me that question, I'm like, you know what, man, you can get a ready to run or buy something off eBay, you know, for $500. And that's a lot of money that'll get you started. And like you start talking about, you don't have to have, you know, as your first real full-size vehicle, you don't buy the Ferrari that's $280,000. You've got to start small somewhere. It needs to be that way with RC2, and it needs to be classes that aren't intimidating. 17.5, you know, buggy, two-wheel drive buggy. I ran that for a while. I've never spent more money in my life trying to compete in that class. <laughs> Holy shit. Like, yeah. I was, I mean, I run Nitro 8 scale because it comes down to the driver and your car setup, really. Um, you're not going to buy a better engine and beat me, right? I've got plenty fast engines and they're all cost about the same thing. But like for us to grow this, we've got to kind of get some type of entry level friendly class where people are not intimidated Yes. and where they say, I can do that and I'm not going to be embarrassed doing it. I'm not going to be embarrassed getting lapped 50 times in one race, which is why I know I'm sorry, I'm going off the deep end here, but like, Dirt Oval reminds me of that too. Like Dirt Oval is so precise and you've got to be so fast. You can literally be down 15 laps in one qualifier. Who wants to do that? I don't, you know, like I don't want to spend that much time to get that precise. I just want to throw a car out there and have fun. So like one thing that Jimmy does is um, every year, I think Memorial Day, he runs a figure eight race on the Dirt Oval that we have over there at Hot Rods. And it's with the lanes crossing each other. So it's basically like survival of the fittest and whoever is still running at the end without their car crashing wins that that race gets a lot of entries because it's fun right like that mm-hmm. where we need more of that why isn't there more of that um i don't know this it's my magazine break dude i'm on this I, at first i was like ah i don't know about this like you know i, I kind of was getting upset when people oh, these cars don't look real and i was like yeah that makes sense and then my mind has changed a lot uh like i want yeah because i'm racing i want people to well, i want people to see that we yeah. race but first off but i agree man we 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 need that class that people can just i i always come back to this too um when associated bought out those club man race cars yeah. the four-wheel drive two-wheel drive version complete yeah. i think you just put a radio in them I, if i was not mistaken if if that could have taken mm-hmm. off that would have done so, so many great things for people as well yeah. like just race that car you can't change it you could just change the tires that's it 
and you have to race that car completely stock. Yeah. Um, another thing that I think is really good is this, to, to me, a Euro truck. Yeah, I was just thinking about those too. Yeah, I think um, that's another great entry class. They're mm-hmm. cheap. You do anything you can do to rule state. You have to run a completely stock. You can glue your, if you're running on carpet, you can glue your sidewalls mm-hmm. and you can run bearings. That's all that's you can simple. do. Yeah. So I like that. And then like, Mini Z is great. And, and we very rarely did Joseph and I, Joseph agree on something that isn't off road. And he agreed that he thinks Mini Z is a great entryway or gateway drug. Yeah, no, it's gateway exactly drug. what it is. I think he's right on that. So. I um I'll, I get into you've probably seen me too if you've seen me post online but I, I always refer to my RC cars as toy cars and that's a big be that's there because I say that uh, but. right but I say it tongue in cheek because like I think there's got to be a little bit of an attitude of like again like dropping the ego like okay yes they are awesome machines are really adjustable they're race cars and I love to race I'm a racer but I also say I'm gonna go race toy cars just because like. I'm not taking myself that seriously, right? Like, and then getting to the track, someone comes over and asks me about the car. If I've got it in my mind, like this is a toy car, I'm probably going to be a little bit more, you know, friendly and like open about how to get into it and not, you know, as ego driven, like, oh, this is a $5,000 car. I have $10,000 worth of, you know, tools. Okay, that's true. (laughs) I do. Um, I've spent way too much money on RC, but like, I just feel like that that type of attitude is what hurts RC overall. We can be proud that we race cars and that these are fast. Eight scale nitro is sexy, right? Like that's if if anything in RC is sexy to me, that or eight scale on road, like that's a sexy class. It's fast, it's loud, it's got a full engine in it. Um, but at the same time, you know, like we're still doing this as a hobby. No one's making millions of dollars doing this as a driver, you know. Or you know, like my wife loves to ask me. She knows because we've been married. God, we've almost been together 20 years, but every time I come home from the track, she's like, well, what'd you win? She knows I don't win anything. It's like, well, if I won the race, I maybe get a little trophy, you know, that's like two bucks, but it's, I race because I love the, the competition. I love, you know, battling in the pits and talking smack with our fellow racers and just having a good time. Um, but it's not, you know, we're not winning purses of half a million dollars or, you know, getting something that's like super sexy that people that don't know RC want to hear. Oh, you race for trophies. Well, yeah, but you get into it and you do it. It's fun and it's challenging. You've got to know the car. You've got to be able to drive yourself. You've got to keep your emotions in check. You've got to, you know, all these things that make a good racer. But, you know, and I think that's one of the the big uh, draws for the drag racing is that people win money. Yeah. In and you win yep. that yep. payout. I was watching last night alive, uh, guy Tony Campazoon. I can't can't say his last name, but he's in SoCal, and they're just in a parking lot. Yeah, and they people there and people taking pictures, and the guy was giving them, oh, it's, you know, it's so simple to. Yeah. Well, those cars, those um, cars are cool. Like they look awesome. I, I went to Cuda. I went to Cuda, and I want to know the body. I mean, so, I want one just I, to paint up and make it look right, and like the big, you know, carbon fiber wheelie bar and all that, like. Those just look cool, even if I never raced it. Like I want one now. <laughs> now that I've seen it, yeah, it's it's growing, yeah, fast, really fast. And uh, I have my eye on it because I know Tim Smith and my buddy. Um, I know Tyler Zavado. He's got RC ra- Drag Talk, mm-hmm. and then my buddy um, Sean Rusin. He's big into it, and it's so much you wouldn't believe, like the radio programming going into it. 
Oh, I've heard like they've got a you know button that you let go of and it takes off. You know, like you program your radios and yeah, he's got his radio program like where his ESD gives so much power at this time and this like it's so much for two seconds. Yeah, that's crazy. It's it's amazing and he's he's into it and I was like, yeah, it's, it's like like tuning a real car. I would say with a computer. Yep. So. That is super cool, man. I mean, it is. you should, you would if you get one, you'll race it. <laughs> I, I you're right. I I think I might just get the um. I have an uh, SC5M to switch over that someone gave to me. Thank you, Mister Bartom. I still haven't done it. It's basically just putting B5M arms and and yeah. on it and and links. But now with the the associated DR10, I can just try and get one of those okay. and um go from there. I saw that uh, on A main a couple days ago, and I was like, hmm, I uh probably have the kit coming out too. So you might want to wait yeah, for that. Yeah, yeah, I probably will. Uh, but cool man i think you kind of answered my whole what do you think about rc what do you oh i do have a i always like to ask what do you miss from back in the day that isn't her anymore hmm. that's a tough question um but a great one what do i miss from back in the day <clears throat> the first thing that comes to mind is i miss the volume of people that were involved in RC. Um, I've got really good friends I race with right now, but it's rare for me to see a new person at the track. And when we do, we like, we shower them with attention and give them whatever they need because we need more new people in. So I guess what I miss is like the, the health of the industry from back in the day because there was a lot of product, there were a lot of people, the competition was great. Um, the tracks, you know, for off-road were loamy. They weren't the super, you know, high bite stuff. You just went and ran. And if it got rutted up, you run. It's kind of what we do now at Revelation, you know, at, at Garen's uh, track. It's one of the reasons I like racing there. I just miss, I miss the crowd, you know, like I miss how big it was at one point because I, I've seen it when it was in its heyday and it was a lot of fun. It was an event, you know, it was like a spectacle at, at, at some point. It was never nationally known, you know, like we've always been fighting for that. It wasn't on ESPN back then. But you would get, you know, 500 people or on a random Tuesday at Hot Rods, we would get 120 people and people that I've never seen before. And the hobby was growing. People, not entries. Cor correct. correct. People. Yes. Yes. Because let's confuse entries. Oh, with people. I know. It's, yeah. it's like three or four entries per person nowadays. But um, oh, we had entries. You had 375. Yeah, that's people. right. So yeah. but that's I think that's what I miss the most is the just the variety of people that were in it, the people that I was meeting, the friends I was making, you know, I met, I made friends with people through RC that, you know, some of them had a doctorate and a PhD and then, you know, some people never graduated high school and everything in between. And it was just fun to meet a ton of new people. And it, it's not that way anymore. And I'm not complaining. And this kind of brings up another topic too. We'll take this wherever you want, but um, I think we have to acknowledge some of the issues that RC has in order to fix them and not just stick our head in the sand. You know, I, it's funny because I think that RC is dying. I the completely agree. RC. I completely agree. But then people are like, well, we had 150 entries this past week. No, you had 50, like, like, let's be realistic. Yeah. Come on. You have 50 people racing three different classes. Right. I, I, I can't fathom how people can say, I have, that's one of my biggest pet peeves and how people can't understand the need, like to how you can have a much better race running one mm -hmm. class. If you, 
if you cap races and um, a lot of RC did a pull over this, but they worded it wrong. Um, like for for instance, RCGP, Neo Buggy, those races, RCGP was one class. You paid $125 for that class, but you got, we calculated the runtime at 120 minutes if you didn't break. Right. Quality, that's including your three practice runs, all that type of stuff. That's a, a shit ton of <laughs> runtime. So, but people feel need. I have to go. I have to race four different classes to get track time at these bigger right. races. That's what. That's okay. Let's be realistic. The race direct. The race promoter has to make his money sure. too. Not just yeah. that. People just can't fathom that. I'm like, you spend more money. Yes, each entry may be seventy, ninety dollars, but you just spent three. So that's two hundred something dollars plus tires, plus parts, plus time, and you can get the same amount of track time from less entry, less less people racing, less classes. Yeah. And just paying a little mm-hmm. bit more, but people can't understand that. And people, RC is not dying; it's healthy. Yeah, it's not healthy. No, it's probably surviving, but it has to. And then we just kind of want to do the same thing over and over yeah. again, expecting different results. We're st- like even the governing bodies are still doing stuff like they did in the eighties yeah. when they start. Nothing's changing, and when somebody comes to change it, it it comes back to kind of how we talk. They take their ball and be like. I'm not playing right. with you. I'm over to this side of the road to play. Well, I've got a theory on why we continue to do the same things over and over again. Like that's the definition of insanity, right? It's doing the same thing over again and expecting different results. Um, but my t- my theory on that, again, from being in magazines as long as I did, the average lifespan of a person in RC, uh, racing or not, but the the data that we had not all that long ago indicated that the average lifespan of someone in RC from the time they buy the car to the time they've just kind of moved on to something else is less than two years. That's crazy. Like pe- people cycle yeah. in and cycle out all the time. What, what the problem to me has been is that people are cycling out still on that two year cycle, but no, not enough people are cycling in. And know. so why is that? There's other things that are you know more attractive in your time off, or maybe people don't want to wrench anymore. Like it's like the, societal issues like you know kids don't want to use their hands they want to be in front of a screen i don't know but i feel like because so many people come in and out all the time then the same ideas get brought from the new people that the previous group of new people brought and we don't really have any fresh ideas on how to solve things or they all reach that point where it's like oh this is super cool i'm gonna be a hardcore racer i'm gonna win the nats they realize they can't you know, or they go as far as they can in 17.5 buggy or in nitro. And then they're like, well, I'm never going to be Ryan Cavallari or Jared Tebow. And then they cycle out. So like, how do we keep them in? Is it retention to me is a big part. How do we keep the people that we've got? And then how do we bring more new people in? Like, that's the mystery. I don't know the answer to it. I don't claim to know it at all. I just think scale stuff is helping. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Jimmy just put up a, a rock crawling area at Hot Rods. We've had some guys come over with rock crawlers that are like peeking over and watching the nitro eight scales. And they're like, wow, those are pretty awesome. You know, yeah, like that's how we won't get all of them, but we'll get that's some. Right. So I don't know, man. It, I don't think people realize that either. I think some people think, well, if you're an RC, you're an RC lifer. It's rare to be in it as long as you and I have been in it. Right. That's, that's super mm-hmm. rare as an enthusiast, not as someone that's, you know, is making a living off of it as a driver or, you know, an owner of a company. Um, but yeah, it's tough. We got to retain what we've got. I know. And then uh, it's just, it's so many. I think we've created, I say this, we created this bubble of this illusion 
of you said you touched on people that think they're going to come here and be the next world champion, right? We've created this illusion. There's so many people. I always say, I always like to say everybody's a pro. You know what I mean? Everybody thinks they're yeah. a pro or, or I almost, I, I'm, I'm one race away from being a pro. Um, and this is probably a 35 year old man saying that I'm one race away, you know, maybe he's not saying that, but that's what he's right. thinking. I'm going to be, I'm going to get and, sponsored. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I, I just like, I, I don't know if they realize how much money these guys really make and how much money you would make as, as an RC guy, how much time and dedication and time away from home you have to put right, into this. Right. right. But, um, we just, and there's, and, and it just, it's just ridiculous. It's just, it's an illusion. It's an RC bubble. And, we just feed into it instead of being like, hey, pop. No, not everybody is a pro. No, this is still a, like I consider it a sport, but it's a hobby. So we do it as mm -hmm. a hobby. We do the sport of RC yeah, as a hobby. I agree with that. And that's where the that's where the main core of people is. But we it comes back to we don't have we don't even have a definitive line between a professional and a and an right. amateur. That I had a bunch of you have asked these young guys who are coming up, how do you become a pro RC guy? What is what is the what is the road to becoming a pro? There is no definitive road to becoming a pro. There's others in other sports and stuff that are much bigger, obviously. Right. But so many things we're lacking, and it's just like we're just sitting here saying we're just sitting here. It's just like it's the attitude in RC is the same attitude that says we had five six hundred entries. We're okay. Mm -hmm. No. Stop fooling your like. Yes, you had six hundred entries. You had six hundred people. You did not have six hundred. Well, like I like when they try to say, "Yeah, we had six hundred entries." And that, if you don't know, you think, "Wow, six hundred people." No, and it's I just like just be realistic. We had two hundred and fifty participants, but six hundred right. entries. And as long as we continue, people continue to do that, we're still feeding into this illusion that we have in Odyssey. Yeah. And, and the manufacturers feed into it and the media feeds into it and we've created this whole bubble. And that's probably why that, you know, yeah. So like, uh, I agree. And and so then my mind goes to like, I don't, I don't want to just complain to complain about it or to be perceived as complaining. Then it, it becomes like, what, what can we do knowing that if we accept that we are living in a bubble and RC isn't where we think it should be, then how do we fix it? Like it's incumbent upon us to, to try and make the most of what we have. Like one of the things that I do just as little as I can make it, but nitro in our area has really taken off. And part of the reason is Adam Drake does engine break-ins and I've got right over here, um, an EBIS machine myself. And I do it like, you know, practically for free. It definitely doesn't cover my time, but I do it for all the guys I race with at hot rods. New people are coming in all the time because they can tune an engine now. Um, and like, we have to be able to give back. So when we go to the track, you know, I'm trying to figure out how can I race? How can I win? How can I get fast? But I'm also trying to think like, who can I help today? Like who out there needs help getting their engine tuned? Cause there's nothing worse than sinking legitimately a thousand dollars into a, a toy car. <laughs> I just said it. Um, and then not being able to get it to run. Right. Like that sucks. And it's why uh, e-buggy. So that, that's right. Well, you know, it, it's popular. Definitely, it seems like back east, it doesn't seem as huge here just because we have a lot of good weather. We don't race inside as much. Nitro has been pretty healthy here. Um, but our e-buggy classes, you know, they tend to get good. They still get good turnouts. But most of those guys also own a nitro car um, yeah. here in Southern California. So I don't know. I I'm hope that anybody that listens to this, you know, will at least think about how they can go to the track, 
you know, do your thing and take care of your racing, but also like we've got to keep the people we have. So if you see someone struggling, just offer to jump in and help. Um, if you know what the yeah. problem is, offer some friendly advice. I mean, I, I try and do that whenever I can. And sometimes it's weird because you don't want to get in somebody's business, but like I might just see someone struggling and be like, hey man, uh, you want me to help you out? I'll help you out if I can. And um, most of the Tuesday nights <laughs> club racing, I'm tuning four or five or six guys' engines before you know racing starts. But I love that. And then everybody that's racing is having a good time. So we all have to do our part. I understand that. It's like um, we uh, or we go up and say, "Oh, that car is a piece of shit. You need one of these." Blah 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 blah. <laughs> you need you need a, you That's, need no. Uh, you need a hundred and fifty dollar P five. If uh, if the first thought through so, someone's head is what you should have done was, you know, like that's not, they did what they did. Let's make the most of it. Right. <laughs> Man. Uh, it's, it's pretty amazing. There's so many things that I want to, I want to do. And I, I, I hope like when somebody new listens and I've had a few new guys reach out to me from who listen to this podcast. I hope this podcast helps as well because i think i want to make what we do yeah. cool i think to get what we do in front of more people i'm all about any type of racing that's that's put in front well you also have to make sure that you you cater that racing to not to the racer but to the spectator yeah. um getting racing in front of people that don't know like may, maybe at a motocross race and maybe at uh, a fairground where there's lots of people just like you said just even having the nitro racing uh with Jimmy's got the the trail, mm -hmm. you know, the rock crawler trails. They look mm -hmm. over. We need to get it out there and stop being nerds in the field. And I always, <laughs> I, I don't, if I always say we treat RC car racing like either a satanic cult or an underground dogfighting <laughs> ring or just a bunch of nerds somewhere in some obscure place with black hoodies yeah. on, walking around know. like we're. You know, and we just need to get over that. And I think RC is so fucking awesome. Like, lots of things that they have to compete with at gaming, even this damn toy collecting stuff that I'm into now. Like, look at how big yeah. it is. It's so much bigger than yeah. RC. Uh, um, well, what we do in RC, because other things in RC are big, like flying is really yeah. big in RC. Yeah. Um, I just, I just think we we are so stuck on the eighties and nineties, yeah. like, and we haven't even. We're, we're still not like, yes, maybe techno technology, technology wise and building tracks and all this stuff, but the attitude and the mentality is still stuck in when we need to do this, or this is the only way to do this. I know it's, it's many ways right. to do it. We just do it, but not thinking to doing the same thing over yeah. and over and expecting different results. Like, yeah, so, it's tough. I, I'm glad I have somebody on that, that has, such insight into the industry and can provide different numbers like you can and like with the from the magazines and stuff like that and um kind of kind of cement what i've been saying and what i think and and what i believe uh, like you know it's just like yeah like our live rco this is the rc and an analytic oh i cannot say that word analytic uh analysis for the week and i'm like this is not a lot like yeah. you know just like i you know, it's just, we need to do better yeah. than this. And whew, it's just, um, I, uh, we're all responsible for we that. Are. Too. All, every, we are. I think, again, I think yeah. being realistic about what the industry is now. And again, I, 
I've been out of it for a while, but what it is now and what it seems like being realistic with it will then help us pave a path to fixing it. Um, but there's a guy that I was helping out at Hot Rods the other day and I asked him how big, how many um, cars he thought, you know, like any average eight scale manufacturer sold in a year. Like, what do you think? How many units? And um, he legitimately, he was like, I don't know, probably like half a million or a million. I was like, damn, dude, I wish like we would be in a lot better position if that was the case. I mean, it's more like in the thousands. And yeah, I think track half a million. Oh, well, see, and that's my point. I've written this down, too. Like when you think about the healthiest RC companies and generally outside of racing, Traxxas, Tamiya, I mean, even Kyosho with them minis these, but Traxxas doesn't make a race car, period. And, and it, well, they got up and they were smart. Yep. They were smart. They're like, okay, we did this. We won something. See well, you later. And then you just make, we'll make trends that other people will race. There yeah. you go. We started and you guys race it. Monster truck, uh, short course. I want to know what Traxxas has got planned for yeah, us next. Me too. I mean, I, I own in this garage, I own a Stampede 4x4, and I'm not ashamed to say it. I've got an E-Revo, a 2.0 that does like 60 miles an hour. That's fun as hell. And I've got an X-Max. And like, I've, I'm a racer, but I also there's a big wash down, you know, big open area down from where I live. And I also enjoy just going and burning battery packs and like doing wheelies and jumping off 20 foot cliffs. Like I would challenge racers to do that. If they've never done that, if all they know is like lap times, like get a, a basher and go run and go like enjoy what RC is really about. Because to me, that's like the heart of what it's about then that translates into going to a track and tuning your car. But if you don't, if you can't have the love of just like taking a car out and having fun with it, like you're saying, if you're not having fun, go do something else, man. Like I've got paddle tires right there. I've run on the beach, you know, with my Revo and that's shooting sand like 30 feet up in the air that draws a crowd. And then you start conversations with people. What is that? Oh, it's a Traxxas E-Revo. Oh, where do you buy that? You start, you know, getting people into the hobby that way. Yeah, I agree. I actually like the X Max myself. It's just a little bit out of my price range, but I the think thing it's insane. Extremely bad the thing is insane. <laughs> yeah, but it's fun. Like that's the fun part. You remember the video of uh, these channels on YouTube that are big, yeah. like my RC Sparks. Not nothing to do with racing whatsoever. Right. The guys making a living off YouTube and yeah. RC stuff, and um. You know, uh, Mark Santamaria and I had this conversation. He's more focused. Like his YouTube channel is growing a lot, and it's more focused yeah. to bashers. And he's trying to bridge that gap between bashing and right. RC. Uh, his his part his YouTube channel's growing. Yeah, I see that. It's just, I agree. I just, I just, I don't, I don't like to bash. Right? Even X Max, I'd be racing these bikes up and down this road. And a lot of guys have asked me already when I'm going to bring my cars out. I got a new office, so uh, I said I'll, I'll race some of these bikes up and on the main road here. Short. I was just thinking about like yeah, appreciate the talk. Yeah. Um, we have one another yeah. time. Um, and uh, thank you for coming on. I don't know if you had anything else to talk about because if, if not, you, I mean, I'm covered pretty much everything I I wanted to cover. But if you had anything else you wanted to bring up, we can. Oh we no, can I was go. just going to add one small thing. Uh, when YouTube really got popular, the most popular RC video that I ever saw back when I was in the magazines was Josh Cyril jumping his car over his house. You remember that? I don't know if you ever saw that or not, but 
Yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. Josh is like a world champion, national champion. The, the most popular video was not of him racing or of winning a national championship. It was of him launching his car over his house because that was cool. Like that. You know, that took an, amount, an immense amount of skill mm -hmm. because that ramp went too mm -hmm. wide and barreling on the road at about 50 yep. miles an hour on his nitro yep. car hit that ramp pro oh, he, properly. He threaded so. the needle. It's just, it's more to the point that like, that's the cool stuff. That's the bashing stuff. Even Josh Cyril, who's a world champion, was out bashing and jumping his house. Like, I don't know, that draws attention. Whenever I have my garage open, people walk by, they see my cars, it starts conversations. You know, I don't know. To me, that's how we yeah. start to heal all of this. But thank you for having me on too. I, I really, I feel uh, privileged to um, be able to reach your audience and hopefully, you know, share some, stories and wisdom and i'd love to come back at some point sure man i appreciate it too um thank you for your time um it was an awesome chat and um as soon as i started talking to you earlier i was like yeah this is gonna be a good interview <laughs> uh, um i appreciate it man we definitely have to get you back on i want to hear some more stories though that's what i've, I get I've you got on, more <laughs> I, no. all right uh what's that website again uh change.org uh, be, be the match.org be the match. What is what's I thinking? Change be the match.org. Yep. Um, go up, sign up for that. Uh, go check out Buddy's GoFundMe as well. Uh, I will put repost that again in the podcast page. If you uh want to learn a little bit more about Stephen Best, go check out some old RC, uh, Extreme RC, RC Cars, and Car Action magazines. I think you could get them on the digital yep. platforms. Yep. I don't know. Um, and uh, yeah, this is what we used to have, used to read before Facebook and. Twitter and Instagram and all the stuff. We used to sit down yeah, and read. Man. That's old school. <laughs> all right, dude. Well, good all luck right. uh, with your reading and with everything in life. And I look forward to talking to you again and, and seeing you at a race uh, next year. Likewise. Probably. Thank you so much. All right. See awesome. ya. NNRC listeners, are you currently having trouble trying to get the power down to the ground? Well, don't you worry. Papa Willie's Traction Tonic has you covered for all your RC tire traction needs. Whether you race on carpet, concrete, dirt, loose, dry, slick, or high grip surfaces, Papa Willie's Traction Tonic cures for traction. Benefits of using Papa Willie's Tonic Traction is going to be more traction, long-lasting, light tire wear, sweet scent, clean application, fast-acting, fresh fill, Papa's Willie Traction Tonic is also safe on foam inserts and does not deteriorate tire glue. Find and follow Papa Willie's Traction Tonic on Facebook and Instagram. You can also visit them at www.papawillies.net. Use the promo code NNRC at checkout for 10% off. Prepare for victory with the one and only Papa Willie's Traction Tonic. What's going on, everybody? It's time for an NNRC product spotlight. So joining me this week is uh, a Carolina racer, a Southeast racer that I've been following for over a year now and getting to know him. And he's a really great guy. He, um, he's from South Carolina and he's recently come out with this, which I've heard really great things about from friends that have used it and just watching and people use it on the internet. I like to say it looks like Green Gatorade, but... Um, it, it's some an interesting uh, cleaning product that he's come out with, and it seems to be making waves in the southeast because lots of guys are using it. And they, 
and they're praising the uh, awesome attributes to this cleaning product. Uh, I'd like to welcome Mr. Zachary Thompson of Clean Freak. What's up, Zach? How are you? Can I call you Zach? Yeah, man, you can call me Zach, but what's up, dude? I'm good. I'm great. Life's I'm good. good. Man. I see you're rocking that Clean Freak shirt. You got. I see you got some swag out, too. That's pretty good. Yeah, man. Uh, I like your hats. I like your shirt. You've been pushing this hard. You are a racer yep. as well. Um, so welcome to the product spotlight. Uh, let's, let's get a little background about you before we go on any further. Um, you do come from a racing, uh, background, you used to race motocross, used to race, uh, dirt, uh, I'm not too familiar, familiar with that. <laughs> yeah. So I come from kind of the, uh, the, uh, the dirt bike, ATV motocross, uh, background. Um, and I grew up racing that as a kid. Uh, now, um, I'm, you know, I'm racing RC full time, but before that I did race late models. Um, I raced, raced motocross on kind of a professional scale. Um, and I did that up until I was maybe 21. Um, and then, uh, I got out of that and started to kind of, um, kind of form my life, you know, and get everything together. And I kind of went to racing cars and that didn't really work out. Um, I don't want to say it didn't work out, but I just moved on with life, man. It was really expensive and, you know, life was kind of just telling me to go have some real fun, <laughs> you know? <laughs> How did you find this, this gateway addictive drug called RC? Because I like the, it, it is like, it can, it's addictive, man. How did you get into RC? So I'll tell you the kind of the way I got into it. Um, easily, uh, it's called the hobby connection. There's a RC shop up in Easley, South Carolina. I used to go in there as a kid, whenever I would be near the Greenville Pickens Speedway. And I always wanted an RC car, but my parents would never buy me one because I had too much stuff. Like I was always traveling, playing baseball and racing motocross and stuff like that. So I never, I never had one. And I finally bought a, a team associated, I think it was a SC 10 or something when I was like 18 or 19 and dude, I've been hooked ever since. <laughs> yeah. You, um, I was, you went racing this past weekend. I feel hard. You had a decent weekend. You, um, you was posting all about it and yeah, I've been following you for a while. Um, so I'm glad uh, you're in RC because we definitely need more diversity in RC and you are a part of that. So I'm happy to see that. Uh, but now you've started this this Clean Freak uh, product. And like I said, at first when it came on, I was like, what is this? And then, you know, JB told me about it. I watched JB using it. Um, I saw one of our our listeners, uh, Adam uh, Duckett, he was using it. I even saw Billy because you drive Agama. So Billy's using it and he's talked good about it. So where did this idea for Clean Freak come about? Yeah, so basically what happened is I bought uh, the rights to uh, part of a chemical company when I was 18. Um, my dad's buddy sold it to me uh, when I turned 18 for $2,000. And he told me basically I could get as many chemicals made as I wanted to out of his place for such and such years. So what that kind of ended up with is me making this chemical. It's a non-caustic degreaser and it's, it's kind of a special blend. Um, it's non-harmful on like aluminum or alloy. Um, it's really, really safe. 
but it's really, really strong, if that makes sense. Um, it will really cut grease. Um, it's USDA, you know, it's food approved. Um, so you can really, really do a ton of stuff with it, surprisingly. That's awesome. I mean, uh, how long did it take you to develop this this uh, product? So uh, from start to finish, it really took about three or four months. Um, and then, you know, over the years, we've had a few different like iterations of it. Um, so what we've kind of done now is we put a uh, we put an odor in it that's kind of like Dawn or or uh, Glad, you know, kind of the scent. And it, it smells a lot better than it did when we first brought it out because generally chemicals kind of stink uh, yeah. just because of the ingredients. But now it smells good. Uh, we have a lot of people using it and loving it. So I can't really complain. Yeah, I've, it's definitely growing. Um, how many how do well how do people even get this from you so uh right now it's it's wild we sell a ton online i'd say our split is probably um you know 95 to 5 from what we sell online versus hobby shops mm -hmm. but that's just because a lot of what we have um you know a lot of hobby, hobby shops are kind of hard to to move yeah. your product into but um, you can find it at www.cleanworkz.com. Uh, that's cleanworks.com. And we, we ship out every day. So it's pretty awesome, man. Yeah. Um, so tell us more. Let's talk about this product. So one bottle, you, you sell it in um, like the, let's talk about the different sizes that you sell. Because yep. you have a smaller bottle. I believe you have a gallon and I think you even have um, like one of those big <laughs> five gallons. <laughs> yeah. So what we do is we have 16 ounces, 32 ounces, uh, one gallon and five gallon. The reason we sell it like that is because a lot of people, uh, they travel a ton and you can actually travel with this chemical because it's non harming at all. Mm. non-flammable and stuff so a lot of people will order the 16 ounce bottles they'll take it with them to the track pour half of it in a spray bottle fill the rest of it with water and they're good for you know their trophy race in another part of the country um so that's pretty awesome um you know and a lot of people tend to ask me why is it so much more expensive than simple green why is it what's the difference between this and simple green well for one uh, the biggest difference is when you buy a bottle of this stuff, you are supporting local racers. You're supporting people that are just like you. Um, and, you know, you're also getting three bottles for the price of one. Mm -hmm. And what that means is, you know, eight to 12 ounces of actual chemical will actually make a whole spray bottle of cleaner. So you're not going to the store and buying um, Simple Green at whatever it costs, three, four five dollars a bottle. Um, and supporting a corporation, you're supporting the small man who's actually putting money into the hobby. And a racer. Yep. And a racer. I will be out there probably, uh, either on your tail or kicking your butt every weekend too. <laughs> <laughs> What's the mix like for this? So one of these, the small bottles, we get what, three spray bottles, like, uh, I would consume like a spray bottle of simple green. Yep. So generally what will happen is whenever you go to like Home Depot or Lowe's or wherever your hot, your uh, hardware store is, you'll buy a spray bottle, right? And a spray bottle generally comes in 28 to 32 ounces. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you fill up a third of that with chemical and then the rest water and you're ready to go. That would equate to one bottle of simple green. Wow. So you for really and truly you are saving money to an extent. Yeah, you're definitely saving money. Um, you know, you can, depending on how you want to use it, I really leave it up to whoever's using it because if you're using it in terms of automotive use, you can actually spray uh, it at full strength and it'll pretty much strip the grease off of whatever you're trying to do. And it won't harm anything. Now, when you apply it, do you have to leave it for a certain amount of time or what's your best way to apply it? In a, for instance, in an automotive uh, use, what, how would you use it? Okay, so I'll, I'll give you two examples. So say I'm at the track, I just did a qualifier, right? I come off the track, I take the wheels off the car, I'll clean the wheels with the cleaner, I will clean the car with the cleaner, I'll pull the radio tray, pull the motor, I'll clean the chassis with the cleaner, and uh, I'll actually spray the motor and blow it off with air. And I'll generally spray the motor with like SC1 or WD40 or something like that to give it that sheen after I flip over a thousand times, <laughs> you know, to, to kind of keep it, kind of keep it looking good. But pretty much the basis of it is I will spray the chemical. I'll take a rag and I'll wipe off all the debris or I'll blow it off. But uh, I like to come behind the chemical with a little bit of water um, and that generally gets it off pretty easy. And in terms of like, you know, whenever you deal with the automotive side, uh, a lot of guys in this uh, industry, you know, obviously mess with real cars. Um, This stuff can take that uh, grease directly off the engine like it's nothing. Um, You can take a 32 ounce bottle, use it full strength and you know go directly to it sorry you can probably hear my dog drinking water like crazy you're also making a clean works team clean freak team sorry clean works clean freak uh you said you would like to get more younger racers involved how can anybody who's interested in running and promoting your product and wants to be a part of your team get in contact with you yeah so generally the easiest way to contact me is by email uh that's clean c-l-e-a-n W-E-R-K-Z-S-C at gmail.com. Uh, basically, what we're trying to do is help these kids kind of build build some character. Um, we'll put them out, you know, in front of our following. Um, and my following kind of has a, a pretty, pretty, pretty vast majority of people that are in the motorsports industry, the motocross industry, the race car industry. Uh, a lot of people that can really help these kids kind of grow mm-hmm. as they as they build a face for themselves and they kind of understand the ins and outs of growing as a person, not just as a person who's getting a discount, you know? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so, all right, we're going to do a giveaway too. You, you've donated. Thank you. I appreciate it. You've donated uh, two bottles for general uh the general NNRC listeners to give away. And also I've got a bottle for my tiered pay, uh, patrons that are who apply for the giveaways in my, in my Patreon. So we're going to do a giveaway of some clean freak. We're going to give away. What is it? Two. Is it the smallest bottles? I believe. No, we'll go 32 ounce bottles. So what okay. we'll do is, yeah, we'll do that. Okay. So we're going to give away two 32 ounce bo- uh, bottles to the NNRC listeners. And how we're going to do this is you have to um, go to, 
their Facebook page and their IG. So what your Facebook page is Clean Works or Clean Freak? Uh, Facebook page is Clean Works. Uh, the IG page is Clean Works also. They are right. spelled the same way. All right. So we want what we want you to do is go to the to these Facebook or IG. It doesn't matter. Put in I heard about clean. I heard about clean freak from the No Name RC podcast. Also tag the No Name RC podcast or NNRC squad in your post as well on the on the uh, IG post or a Facebook post and also tag clean works or clean freak. And then I'd say in about two weeks, we'll pick some winners and uh, we'll do a spin the wheel and see who gets some uh, some awesome clean freak product, man. Yeah, dude, that sounds good. And, you know, for all your listeners, if you guys go check out the website, uh, if you uh, decide to buy anything, just use code no name. Uh, Sweet. There's a little giveaway for you guys also. Appreciate that, man. I didn't even know about that. So. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. And um, you and get some swag too, because the shirts are looking pimping, and the hats. I like the hats. I'm more of a flat rim hat, but uh, I'm I'm gonna have to get me a hat here and um, and get one. And remember, you're not when you're dealing with uh, helping out Zach and Cleanworks. It's not like you said. It's not a corporation. We always talk about helping out the small businesses in RC. Well, here you go. Here's your opportunity to help a, a startup business that's doing really well and wants to do positive things in the RC community. And, um, you know, this is one of the reasons I do this uh, product spotlight is to help try and help push these businesses. And thank you, Zach, for what you're doing in RC. Thank you for your time coming in. Um, it's great getting to know you. And I can't wait to try this product myself when I come to America again and actually do some racing. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe JB will have me washing his camper or something like that. <laughs> Who knows that crazy guy? Yeah, but, dude. Uh, <laughs> and I want to just give out a quick shout out to the yeah, three. Give a shout out. Sorry. Yeah, the, the three. Uh, there's three shops that carry my stuff right now. Uh, Extreme RC down in Ladson, South Carolina. Um, the Hobby Connection in Easley, South Carolina. And the Ditch RC Shop. Uh, they're kind of a new shop, but they, they're in Georgia. They're carrying the stuff too. So if you're in any of those areas, go check them out. Yeah, and if you're a hobby shop and you want to carry his products, get in contact with him. Exactly, yep. Because that helps. That's where we need the help in there. We need to get this product into hobby shops, or not even just hobby shops, just period. Even if you're a garage, anything like that. Let's get it rolling. For RC, not just for RC. So, all right, Zach, um, any shout-out to your sponsors? Uh, say, say what's up to Billy. Yeah, man, I want to say uh, shout-out to Billy, man, with Agama, Nemo Racing. Uh, I want to shout out Joe Pillars with Team Yokomo and Much More Racing. Um, I want to shout out Jason with Jason Snyder with Raw Speed. I want to shout out myself for sponsoring myself. And <laughs> yeah, shout out to everybody, man. Cool, man. Well, I appreciate your time and thank you for donating those giveaways and helping also helping promote the NNRC. I appreciate that and. Um, Man, I wish you all the luck, and you know you got my you got my support one hundred percent with this. Appreciate so. it, brother. So, hey, Joseph, have you ordered oil for the janky JQ van yet? No. Why haven't you gone to www.robsoil.com and ordered some oil so we can get the oil change when we get back to America? Don't you know we have to drive that thing back across to the East Coast? Or we do? Yeah, or me, I should say, because you don't like to drive. Why do we have to drive it there? I don't know, because the east is where it's at. Okay. Well, 
you know, we got like 380,000 miles on that thing. We want to keep it running to make another 380. Wasn't it 400? Yeah, it's closer to 400 now, I would say. So I don't know, man. We need to we need to hit up Rob's oil and order some oil for that janky JQ van. And while you're at it, buy some motor oil for Westergaard's um, motocross bikes. I see he's got a new Razor, too, showing right off. Um, and his van. Set him up, because it's storing your van over there. You know, taking really good care of it. He said that the lease is expiring on oh, the storage. Oh, wow. Now, they're that good. There goes that. Now we need to find a new home for the janky JQ van. <laughs> I told him to go stuff it. Stuff it. <laughs> what happened? I don't know. He just said it was expiring. Oh, uh, well. Anyway, Joseph sounds like he's wrenching on a van right now. Can you stop making all that noise? Anyway, guys, we are now to the Rob's Oil RC Gypsy Tales. This part of the podcast is brought to you by robsoil.com, the one-stop place for all of your AMSOIL products. Why should you use AMSOIL? Because AMSOIL makes top-quality synthetic lubricants for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, four-wheeler, snowmobile, lawnmower, and anything else with an engine. I like to add fifth-scale cars because fifth-scale is awesome. AMSOIL lubricants are designed to help your help your equipment run at peak efficiency and last longer. Join the millions of proud Amsoil users to experience the difference. Amsoil products are formulated, blended, and packaged in the USA. So go to www.robsoil.com, get your oil shipped anywhere in North America, and it helps show Rob some love, who's showing the podcast some love. And you know why you should also show Rob some love? Because he is an avid RC fan. He loves the podcast. And you know what? He's showing us some love. So show Rob some love. Go to www.robsoil.com. Order up your Amazon products. And, um, yeah, you also help the podcast, up, podcast out. And he brings you the RC Gypsy Tales. For this week, and it's another story that JQ has, and I have not heard this story. I didn't even heard it until he mentioned it just now. And I hope you'll stop making noise and tell it. Stop making noise. Tell the story, Joseph. Okay, so this is a story from the 2008 Charlotte Worlds. Um... Yeah, 2008. Mm-hmm. I was running X-Ray, actually. Really? Uh, yeah, X-Ray. And this was, I was already making my own car, but I didn't have it. And I got support from X-Ray until I got my own car. And I did pretty well. I qualified semifinal. And I just, I made a dumb mistake. I was running whole shots. In qualifying, and then I changed tires for the semifinal, and that was a mistake. It sucked. I just missed the main, like, by, I don't know, a few seconds. Story of life. Yeah, that really sucked. I was pretty mad. (laughs) What? Did you punch something? But anyway, so there was something that happened at that race, which uh, I remember to this day because it's funny. (laughs) (laughs) Um, no one was seriously injured, so it's all good. It was just some egos were hurt, but and you know, this 
if people don't know this, then maybe it explains some things that have happened more recently. So anyway, I was there with uh, some other Finnish guys, the Heinonen brothers, two brothers. Uh, Ari, the faster guy, Arto, the louder guy. And we were all pretty much, a lot of people were actually staying in the same hotel. I think and I know which hotel it I, was. It was like a Motel 8 or something, not too far from the track. Because I've stayed there. I, I Honestly, I can't remember what the hotel was. But most, most people were staying there. And I don't remember now when this was. Actually, yes, it was after the race. I, re- I remember the detail about the story. This, this was after the race and uh, after the banquet and people going out, drinking, partying. And uh, I went out with... <clears throat> The Heinolen brothers and Dylan Julian. I don't know if you know that guy. What's his name? Dylan Julian. No, I don't know. He's Taylor Peterson's mechanic and friend. And I'm not sure if TP was there also or if it was just uh, Dylan. Well, anyway, I can't remember who else was there. there were, I'm sure there was someone else. Can't remember now. So Dylan's driving. He's our driver and we're going out. And then when we were heading back, we see Cody King. So Cody King and Jake Thayer too. So they wanted a ride back so to their hotel. They were staying somewhere else, I think. And so we gave them a ride, whatever. We, had, we were in a minivan, so there was room. So we were all in the back, and then uh, one thing led to another. I, I, undoubtedly, I said something sarcastic or, or stupid because Mayfield had oh God. had a good chance of winning those that those worlds but he he had to pit at like six minutes or six thirty or someone and everyone else was going seven thirty or even nine minutes so his runtime was really bad um and then he flamed out in the last pit stop um blew a glow plug so his chances were gone so I don't know. I probably made some comment about that, about the pits, like short pit stops or lack of runtime or something. And then, uh, you know, Jake Thayer and I'm Cody sure it King, wasn't they just started as... mouthing, mouthing off, you know. And then the Hainer brothers were just like, okay, now these guys, they need to go. They need to shut up. Like they were getting worked up. And then we arrived and, and dropped them off. And Cody just wouldn't let it go. They kept opening the door, and and we kept saying like, just close the door, good night, go to bed, and and they they were not having it, you know. They would just keep talking, like wanting to fight and this and that. And I was like, just just go to bed, okay. And then the one brother said to me in Finnish that if they open that door one more time, they're gonna get their asses kicked. <laughs> So I told them that. I just said, like, hey, we don't want to fight or anything. Like, these guys are getting antsy back there because they were sitting in the back. <laughs> so I was there by the door, and the Hainan and brothers were in the, uh, at the back. So I said, like, just leave it alone. Let's go to bed. Close the door again. Or they open the door again. And then, <laughs> then they were like, right. So then the, the Hainan and the brothers got out. Arto, before like anything was said, Arto was just punching Cody in the head. And Cody was like, dude, like, 
he wasn't even really fighting back. He was like, what are you doing? Like, he's trying to act all like nothing had happened. And out of the blue, Arta just started punching, right? And then Arta, he just grabbed Jake's fingers and bent them back. Like, he grabbed Jake's hands and bent his fingers backwards. So then Jake went, had like, obviously the natural movement to do that is to go down to, like, reduce the angle of the fingers. So he ended up on his knees on the ground, and Ari was just bending back Jake's fingers and hands to, like, hold him there, basically, while Arto is punching Cody. And then Cody ran away, and, and then <laughs> Jake was just left there with Ari holding his fingers back. And then the situation was calm. So I was like, okay, so are we done here? I was like, oh, my God. What the... F- what's going to, you know, what next? Like, the Finnish guys beat up Cody King. Uh, this this is probably not good, I was thinking at the time. And then, well, I just let Jake up, and then we went to left. So this <laughs> this happened 2008 in Charlotte. Right. Fast forward two years, 2010, <clears throat> Thailand. Okay, same guys attending the race, right? Oh, Lord. So we're in... Uh, Thai restaurant, well, Thai restaurant, obviously, in Thailand. And uh, we had a long table. There was a whole bunch of people there. And then Cody King arrives. I remember this was so funny. So Cody King and a bunch of other Americans arrive. And, you know, all loud, like Cody normally is. And, you know, he walks over to our table. They're like, he's walk as he's walking over. Then he spots Arto there. And he just diverts <laughs> and goes somewhere else. I remember it was so funny. So anyway... Yeah. Wow. That's my story from the Charlotte world. Oh, you started it, it came all that. like, uh, like Degani always brings it up. And it, hey, is, are those the guys that beat up Cody King? Like <laughs> he always brings it up. And it, it's just the people that know about it and were there at the time, they, it, it's just like a thing of legend that they always bring up. Like those two crazy guys from Finland that beat up Cody King. Well, I mean, yeah. when, when you have to... So, mo- and you have to munch on reindeer, reindeer balls and eat salted whale blubber. I'd be upset too. Yeah. So it's just funny because Jake works at uh, OCRC now. So always when I'm in America, I see him there. So there's that. And then, uh, well, obviously we've been racing a lot with Cody. and Yeah, but there's always been that in the background. Like that happened. <laughs> well, that would explain a lot of the bad blood. Um but I had honestly never heard that story. You're like can turn into some undercover thug or something like this. Like, I don't know. Going on to I almost said it again. I almost said the country again. Oh, let me let me note that. Um, going on to that country and getting your money back. Go with these crazy Finnish guys getting in fights with RC dudes. And notice, I know the key thing here is you said something, and that started the whole argument. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I said something. Kind of like the whole thing with Adam Lewis in Norway. Yeah, but then the thing was that they didn't stop, so they went too far. I warned them. I said, look, these brothers, they don't take any shit, so just let's just go to bed. No, I'm going to have to go find them on no. Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Wow, I never heard. I've never heard this story, and you've told me a lot of stories. I can't believe you never told me this one. 
Yeah, well, there are too many stories well, to remember. I guess everybody listening to this is gonna know now. This is this is RC though. This is the stuff that happens, and this is what you know. This is two, 12 years ago, so no time ago. You're actually gonna be racing against that guy this weekend, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> I hope you don't bend your. What about the other brother? Is he still race? Yeah, he just races e buggy now though. Well, they haven't beat you up, so they must. I don't know. They must like you. Yeah, somehow. I had a fight with that other guy once. Oh lord! Now you got to tell that story. Did you get beat up? Uh, it was no. It was. It was like some. You know when we get into arguments, me and you. Well, mm -hmm. we used to get in into arguments the same, but like really heated arguments. And then we were at some race, all staying in the same place, like we rented some house or something, and everyone was kind of drinking. And then I was. I don't know. We had some argument again, and then I was going to bed, and then he was, like, opening the door and keeping on arguing. I'm like, fuck, like, I'm going to bed. Just leave me alone. And, uh, no, he kept on budging in and, fuck, arguing. So I just punched, like, just, I just, I don't know, I just punched him in the face. <laughs> like, not even thinking about the consequences or anything. Like, fuck, just boom. Just punched him in the mouth. Like, not super hard, but just enough to, like, you know, take the edge off the argument, argument, I guess. And then, then he retaliated by basically throwing me under the, uh, like under the table in that room, like between the table and the bed, just throwing me there. <laughs> so there was that. Yeah. And, and, and then, then after then he basically what did said, you... like, I, I spared you. Like I, I didn't want to fuck you up completely. So, you know, just a couple of scratches and bruises, but that's it. Like, I spared you. That's what he said? Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> Which is probably true, let's face it. <laughs> but, yeah. It's I like mean, that he time. Has, he, on, on one hand, he doesn't even have knuckles. Let's put it that way. I remember one time you hit me. <laughs> you hit me at a race, and it shocked me so much. I was like, what? And Who, I think me? it shocked you. And you looked at me like, like I could see, like, Oh, I think Keenan's gonna kill me now. And I, and I was, I and I was just looking at you like, you actually hit me. I can't believe it. What was that about? I can't remember. I might have hit you, and then who knows? Oh my gosh, that I would have paid money to see that guy throw you between the um, table. You must have been like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it I, worked out in the end. I messed up. No. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was funny because it's it, when I punched him, it was like I wasn't really thinking about it, like planning it, and just like pop. Then like, oh fuck! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, insane. I could, I could. <laughs> that's funny. I thought this was gonna be a, a boring story, but it turned out to be extremely funny. And uh, I can't believe you punched somebody in the mouth, dude. And I'm gonna punch you in the mouth next time I, I see you. Stop messing with that. That might be the only time, actually. Yeah, you, you're definitely not. I've ever done it. You are uh, yeah, the punch. Honestly, I, I honestly can't think. I got punched by a drunk Russian a couple of years ago. They're walking out of a, a bar with my friend, and they were walking in front of us. We were walking actually to go get a bus or something. And to the bus station, and this was in the center of Helsinki. And then we were talking with each other, and then this the one, the, the one guy just turns around. It was pretty short, and then 
I don't know what the fuck. And then he, like, punched me. Just, I don't know, like, I seriously, I even asked my friend, like, what the fuck happened? Like, what did, what were we talking about? What did I say? Like, why did that happen? And even he was confused as to what happened, so. And didn't Tyler Vick's dad give you a ring and slap once, too? Yeah, Tyler Vick's dad slapped me. That was KZ Speedway. That was like He's 2003 like, like or something. The first, first, first time, <clears throat> one of the first times I went to America, probably. And Tyler Vick was an arrogant twat already back then. Um, but he was super young back then. So he was standing on some crate on the driver's stand. So we were standing next to each other. And I broke in warm-up. So I ran down and I actually got it fixed in time to make it back to, to the start of the race. And I go back and he's moved over, now occupying both spots. So there's like nowhere for me to stand now. So I asked him if he could move back. And he would like, he could hear me and he was driving and it just no response. So I ask again, nothing. And I ask again and then he just says no. I'm like, what the fuck now? So I just fucking moved him. Like, I just fucking kicked the crate over. Oh, Lord. You know? So, I mean, there was no... It wasn't like he was going to fall off or anything. Like, he <clears throat> was stood on the fucking thing, and I moved it over. And he still stood on the fucking thing, right? So, but his dad saw it, and his dad got all mad. You know? So anyway, then did the race, and then after the race, his dad walks up to me and slaps me. <laughs> did he slap you hard? I mean, it didn't hurt, just, uh, it was like... Shocked you? It's not like one of those slap, like that slap contest thing. Yeah. It wasn't like that. It was more like, I don't know. I probably would have done that too. I, I probably would have done that too, because we didn't know what was happening. Yeah. You're a bully, dude. Yeah. And then didn't Josh no, Reader's dad... No, fucking idiot. Didn't Josh Reader's dad... Why would he occupy two spots and then just, no, not move? You just fucking move, right? Well, you and, and, well, you and driver's spot... You, yeah, well, you and prick, and uh, you and driver stand spots has gotten you in a lot of trouble, Mister Quaygrain. Uh, a lot. Yeah, that's how you and, really. and Drake started. Ah, uh, that's a story for another day. Yes. And um, uh, no, it, Dave Wheeler. No, that's not true. That's just that's fake news. So, me and Dave Wheeler. The thing that happened was this was a DNC one year. And Dave is uh, very religious and conservative. Uh, but this was like pre-Facebook arguments. Me and Dave Wheeler would discuss these things in real life, face-to-face. Mm -hmm. And I, it, was, it was quite good, actually. I enjoyed that. But then one time there was, I think, Supercross on also, and there was a whole bunch of people at their trailer, and we were outside the trailer. And then, uh, then we went inside the trailer, so there were all a bunch of people there. So then they all kind of started. The, the, the discussion sort of continued, but everyone was sort of ganging up on me in a sense. And then Dave, Dave uh, basically asked me a question. So do you, do you think America is a force for good in the world or bad? No, no, sorry. He said it was a yes. He gave me a yes and no question, to which I said that's not a yes and no question. It's more complicated than that. But he demanded that I answer yes or no. So the question was, is America a force for good in the world? Yes or no? Uh, so I said no. But I said no just to piss him off because 
the truth is it's not a yes or no question. Yes, America is a force of good in one sense and no in another. So it's you can't say yes or no to that question, in my opinion. <clears throat> I explained that to him, but he wasn't having it. He just wanted a yes or no answer, like he insisted. So I said no. So then he was like, right. So, <laughs> so I, I was standing at the door of the trailer. So he came to the door and then he was like, grabbed my collar of my shirt. But when he grabbed my collar, I was turning or something right at the same time. So my glasses felt like moved on my face or like fell half off my face or something like that. Cause the shock, like, cause I turn and he, then he grabbed my collar, you know? So I think people thought he punched me or slapped me or something, but he didn't. He just like grabbed my shirt, like get out of my trailer or like that, you know? So yeah, he didn't really, but yeah. that was the situation there. I feel like grabbing you by your beard right now because he's scratching up against that microphone. Uh, well, there we go. JQ's stories about getting beat up and other people getting beat up. So that was funny. Yeah. That's that's what that's what this part of the podcast is for, telling those type of stories. So it's RC related. So it's all happened at an RC race. So all good stuff. Well, besides the Russian guy punching you, um, good stuff, man. You know what, Joseph? We have uh, the Summer Sizzler coming up. Sorry, before I go into that, thank you to Rob's Oil for sponsoring this part of the podcast it's greatly appreciated remember people go to www.robsoil.com order all your amsoil products and uh before we go into the jq racing rant i want to uh talk about this summer sizzler race that's coming up uh labor day weekend that's not too far away it's next month i believe yes september so hey listen to what uh these guys have to say about the summer sizzler are you tired of running laps against a clock? Are you tired of qualifying all weekend for a short little main event and cardboard trophies? Well, you better start packing because your summer is about to sizzle. Scale Racing Sports and BeachRC.com present the newest off-road indoor arena racing event on the East Coast. The Summer Sizzler. Summer Sizzler. If you run 1/8 scale nitro, 1/8 scale e-cars, or 1/5 scale gas, grab a buddy, pack that shit up, and let's go racing. At the Summer Sizzler, we race heads up all the time. A full day of practice, three 10-minute qualifying races, plus a last chance qualifier. 30-minute main events for all adult classes and really cool trophies. Whether you're new to racing or a seasoned pro, register now at rcsignup.com or on-site. Trackside Hobby Shop support from Beach Hobbies, free parking, free camping, free indoor pit area, and the largest driver stand and pit road you've ever seen. For more information, follow, like, and share us on Facebook at Scale Racing Sports. The Summer Sizzler, Labor Day weekend, September 4th, 5th, and 6th, Apex Arena, Withville, Virginia. The Summer Sizzler. Grip it. And rip it. So, yeah, guys, if you aren't doing anything uh, on Labor Day weekend, go check out the Summer Sizzler in uh, Virginia. It's a beautiful facility. And uh, they're going to be they put they're going to be putting on another race uh, called the Blue Ridge Nationals, 
coming, I think that's in, I want to say November, I think, but I, uh, or October, one of the two. So I have to check it out. But yeah, great indoor race for you guys to go to and uh, do some racing if you're on the East Coast. I think it's going to get people from all over the East Coast going to that race. So, Joseph, we, <clears throat> we do have a rant. And uh, I think it's time to go into the uh, JQ Racing rant. What do you say, Joseph? We are now at that point of the show where you should fasten those seatbelts and put your big boy pants on. Whoa. Things are about to get serious. It's time for the JQ Racing Rant. Mm, oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Ladies and gentlemen, or probably gentlemen and lady, because I don't think much... Much females listen to this podcast. If you do, no, I appreciate it. And um, yeah, if you like racing and you're females, um, we need more of you racing. Diversity is key. Diversity is key in life. Joseph, so last week we asked for viewer rants, right? And I like this because um, it's good to hear what people want to rant about. So we're going to open this up again for people next week. If you want to rant about something, shoot me a message. I'll shoot it to the... Uh, the NNRC Instagram, Facebook, or you can email us at thenonamercpc at gmail.com and we will rant about it. So this week, he does not wish to be named, which is cool, but he has a rant. And remember, this is coming from a viewer and a driver, not us, but he asks, is Kyosho ever going to get their shit together in the U.S.? Maybe a team manager or new 10 scale cars, which I replied to him. I said, yes, but Mini Z is doing really good for, for Kyosha right now. And it's getting popular in, in America. And he says, yeah, Mini Z has always done well, but I don't care about mini cars. I want a competitive 10 scale platform and a freaking team manager and support at the bigger races. So thank you for sending in that rant. And you know what? It actually is. A legitimate question and rant. Okay, so I can answer this question for you. Okay. No. Oh, well, I, I got excited and thought it was going to be some extravagant answer. <clears throat> but um, I don't know what Kyosho is doing. I mean, okay, well, this year is kind of a wash. Obviously, um, we don't have... Uh, we don't have nothing going on really too much. I remember when we went to the 2018 DNC, my first DNC, and I looked over at the Kyosho pits and they had two tents. They had Jared Tebow, Zach, the guy, Omer from New York or Northeast, and maybe one or two other people. And they were like right next to the AKA pits. So maybe them people were AKA drivers. <clears throat> and I remember saying, Wow, this is Kyosho. Like, this is the most dominant force in RC at one point, in eight-scale RC. You, if you wanted to win, you drove a Kyosho car. Simple as that, right? It was just Tebow, Zach, a couple other guys. Now, fast forward a bit, and I watched. I, I, Zach was doing a great job. He, he was getting drivers. People were joining JQ, um, JQ Racing, joining Kyosho. It grew. I think I went to AMS. It was about five or six later on that year. Five or six. Um, it was way more 
uh, drivers than it was the year before. Fast forward DNC 2019. Zach had left. Now this Zach had left, I believe, at this time. I thought Zach was doing a great job. He was young, he's enthusiastic, he was doing a good job with Tebow. Um he was growing the growing the team, all that type of stuff. He raced 10 scale a lot. DNC, I don't think he was involved. I think he was out by that time last year at DNC. But Coach had this big pits. Mick Craddock over, Elliot Boots there. Um, they had just released a new car or were releasing the new car. Pits were ram. And you know, Cody King's all hanging around and all that stuff. And he, you know, he's still he's on Kyosho, so things are looking good. Like everybody's excited for Kyosho. There's rumors about I think was Zach at 2019 DNC, Joseph? Hello. Joseph. Um, I'm thinking 2019. Yeah, when we went to the where it is now, the first time at that where it is now, in Paris. <clears throat> I don't. I can't remember. I don't know, but they had no. CJ. I remember they had CJ. Y'all came. Boots was yeah. there. Yeah, Craddock was there. Craddock was there. Rocket. Like I think that's when I first met him. Big, nice size team, looking good. I'm like, wow, Kyosho is growing. <clears throat> I see people all over America signing for Kyosho. I'm like, wow, Kyosho is making moves. And then I think, I think Zach's still there. I, he has to be because I think Craddock, Craddock <clears throat> came over to help Boots. And then Zach leaves, or they don't want to pay him a, a working wage because then Kyosho got bought out. As well, might have been before that. They, before that, they before that they got bought out, so they're not paying. I think he left because you know he had to make. He lives in California; it's expensive. He needs to make a real wage, so he left Kyosho to go work out of the industry. Because I remember he's trying to start that race series and all that type of stuff, and he's really into it. And um, I wanted, I was still doing, I was doing the podcast. I wanted to have him on the podcast to talk about that. And then they didn't have a manager for a while, right? So everybody's wondering. Who's going to be the manager? My vote was for Andrew Rizzo up there in the Northeast. I thought he would have made a really great uh, manager for Kyosha. He was doing a lot of work with him. He was, uh, he's running their cars, I believe, with, An with Enzo Albertoni up there. And I like Andrew. He's a really good dude. And I'm like, yeah, man, I think you should be the manager. I really thought he was going to be the manager. And then they announced Cody King. And I'm like, everybody's, everybody's excited about this. Oh, Cody King, he's going to be the manager. And I remember you and I just looking at each other like, if we could have been in a room together, we could have just looked at each other and just meant like, like looked at each other. Like, you know that look when you look at somebody and say like, what? You know? I think we actually made bets. We did. Jeff was uh, in a bet. I was, I was being nice. I said it. two how many years. Months he would, how, how many months he would make it? It was a month. We were all wrong. <laughs> yeah. I think Keaton was the closest. <clears throat> and then I'm like, well, what is Kyosho going to do? Like, what's going on? And they just haven't, just haven't, they haven't, I'm not saying they're, they're disappeared or whatever, but then we go fast forward 2020. Still Mick was there, Derek Fertini, CJ is there, um, Jow's there, small, much smaller team than it was the year before. And I'm, I mean, well, they won a European championship too. They won a European championship. Breton won a European championship in there. But yeah, definitely. 
definitely was on the right track, got off track, and now we don't know what's going on. Like, I mean, well, nobody knows what's going on. So, I don't know. Like, I know CJ is there. We got Barry Schimmel and uh, Brandon Schimmel up in Coastal RC. What's up, Coastal RC? Really like their mini RZ, mini Z track. They're, they're Kyosho faithfuls. And there still are Kyosho people, but it just doesn't see. It just seems to be not organized. I mean, a team needs a team manager. You know what I mean? It's 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 vital to keeping that team together. So I don't know who's filling in with, with that position at the moment in America. Anyway, I know. I think Furutani is has been doing it basically <clears throat> because they don't have someone to do it. But it's not really his job to do it. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know, man. They're not. They're not going anywhere. I mean, they're still they're doing well with these mini Zs and these and all the other stuff. And people still race. I mean, so people still racing Kyosho. It's Kyosho. It's legendary. So I don't know what's gonna happen. I guess once COVID, once things calm down, I'm, I'm sure they will do something in 2021. Hopefully, we shall see. But I don't know. I don't know if it's yeah. I don't know, dude. That's a good question. What do you guys? What do what do the viewers think is going to happen with Kyosho? So, well, you want to chip chime in a little bit, Joseph, because I know you do. Didn't I say that Kyosho was going bankrupt or something last time? <clears throat> you did. I think so. Craddock was laughing at me. Yes. Oh yeah, that's when we had Craddock on. I remember now. On the yeah, that was funny. That was yeah. good. Uh, yeah, the, I'll just say, yeah, I'll just k- stick to the same story. It's still going to happen. So uh, give it another year and they won't care about racing anymore, just like Tamiya. Hmm. There we go. I don't know. That's, that's my prediction. That's going to happen. Well, they've Kanai's made great strides with the, with, the, with the car. The car is good now. Yeah, Kanai's going to retire. And uh, yeah, hmm. that's how it is. Sorry. Yeah, I don't know, but hey, um, I want to say thank you to the viewer who, who sent in that rant, uh, that rant and that question. What are they going to do? I don't know. But they need to do something or... That's been in America. Just, they were growing and now they ain't. So, yeah. Hey, to all the viewers, if you have a rant, shoot me a message. Shoot us a message and we'll rant about it. We'll check it out. Hopefully I get this a little, a little earlier. I got this like today right before I'm recording, so I don't have much time to think about it. But um, thank you for sending in the rant. Thank you to everybody that uh, supports us. Thank you to Stephen Best for coming on. Thank you to Zach Thompson for coming on. Remember, check out Clean Freak, guys. We have a giveaway going on with that. Um, everybody at Wicked Weekend, have fun. Everybody at Cheyenne, uh, the showdown, Cheyenne Showdown, have fun. Up there in Otterville, up in Ontario, have fun. Wherever you're racing around the world, send it with responsibility. Have fun. RC is awesome. We're fortunate to be able to be, to be able to do it. If you support the NNRC squad, man, post up some pictures. If you're wearing some NNRC swag or you got some NNRC decals on your car or your pit, post it up and tag us, man. We want to see that stuff. I'm always looking for pictures to put up on Instagram. If you have a cool picture from your weekend this weekend and um, it's a cool shot or cool video, tag us, NNRC squad, hashtag NNRC squad, hashtag Nitro is the glory. Hashtag uh, the No Name RC podcast. We want to put these up. We want to help promote more RC stuff. Thank you to all of the listeners around the world. Shout out to the hashtag NNRC squad. Love you guys like life. Shout out to all the patrons on Patreon that make this happen. Thank you. 
appreciate it. Um, you know, if you want to be a patron of this this podcast, you, they actually got early release, so check it out. Uh, thank you, Joseph, for your time. Good luck this weekend in Vasa. You're gonna. I hope you enjoy it. And yeah, thanks. If you do bad, if he's doing bad, anybody and you're close to Joseph, hide all sharp objects and ropes. I don't want him on suicide watch, which he does go into. And yeah, I don't know. Thank you to all the awesome companies that uh, that support us as well. We can't do it without you. RCMX Online, Techno RC, Beach RC, obviously JQ Racing, um, Papa Willie's Traction Tonic. Ta- check out Papa Willie's Traction Tonic, man. Check out Papa Willie's. Um, remember, uh, he cures poor traction. Also, if you use the promo code NNRC, you do get uh, 10% off your order and help out uh, Scooter. He's a great dude. I'm going to have him on her to do a product uh, product spotlight on his awesome traction compound. Shout out to Rob's Oil for sponsoring the RC Gypsy Tales, which is very, in, you know, stories I haven't even heard before this week. And, uh, hey, manscaped.com, promo code, no name, all caps, save 20%. If you do buy yourself one of those ball trimming kits, please tag me if you got the balls because I want to see it. Not your balls, but tagging that you got the kit. Okay, let's get that straight. And uh, remember, Nitro is the glory. E-Buggy pays the bills. If you ain't grinding, you're sliding. Remember, hard work beats talent That when talent doesn't work hard. And send it with responsibility. Lefty out. Thank you for listening to the No Name RC Podcast. We greatly appreciate all the support and love from you, the listeners. Without all of you, none of this is possible. Special thanks to our patrons on Patreon. If you wish to support the podcast further, you can at patreon.com forward slash NNRC podcast. As a patron, you will receive early releases, special content, and patron-only giveaways. Also, please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and our website, www.nnrcpodcast.com. Remember, Nitro is the glory, but e-buggy pays the bills. If you aren't having fun, it doesn't make sense. And if you ain't grinding, you're sliding lefty out. Nitro is the glory, Nitro is the glory, Nitro is the glory.